From Television City in Hollywood, this podcast is not a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Wrestling fans, there are millions and millions of podcasts out there, but there's nothing like this one. It's dancing. No, that ain't dancing, Sally. I dance fine. You stink. This is the wrestling podcast about the... Okay, this is our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast. Hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to OVP Podcast. Nobody even listens to this shit, so go fuck yourself and roll tide, motherfucker. Go to the Google machine. Let's go down the ringside. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode and is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. Wrestling fans, and welcome to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thanks so much for being with us here on Monday, April the 1st, 2019, for episode number 124. I am always, I'm always Joe Morata alongside the one and only Michael Quinn. How you doing there, Michael? Howdy, diddy. Well, Michael, April is here upon us. Yeah, it's sure a day that's um, yeah, it's early, a day. It's early April. It's early April, and folks, yeah. thanks for not being an April Fool and tuning in this week to listen to us romp you through the world of retro wrestling we have some great stuff in store for you including a very special surprise in the next segment but before we get to any of that i want to remind you if you have a twitter you can go follow us there if you want to you can do that at ovp podcast you can also email us at ovp podcast at gmail.com that is vp podcast at gmail.com but quinn the best place to talk to me and you and a bunch of other retro wrestling fanatics is over on facebook yeah over at facebook.com slash foo yep. no, no l at the end no just foo um you go to that website, it's got a search bar. Have you ever heard of the search bar? I've been to them, yeah. It's very foolish. Like Hotbot? Yeah, Hotbot. Hotbot. <laughs> Lycos. Like, oh, Lycos, I know about that. Yeah, oh, Hotbot. You never I totally hotbot. forgot about that. Anyway, you type in the search bar, our vantage point, Dash Retro Wrestling Podcast, the Hotbot goes down the tubes, <laughs> it talks to the director of communications, who right, relays yep. it to the operators. Yeah, that's what happens. He's like, hey, this guy or girl wants to join the Generally thing, guy, and yeah. he says, okay, and then... He sends that message back up to Hotbot, of course. Mm-hmm. With Hotbot. Hotbot tells us, and, mm-hmm. you know, you're in. And that's it. And it's a great time in this group. Yeah, you get to uh, send the like, Giffies and the Jiffies. Yeah, you get the... to argue about how you pronounce that if you want, yeah, I guess. You, you can argue about Ace Cowboy Bob Orton. Yeah, and how good he is or not good he is. Yeah, just basically anything about old wrestling. That's what we try to welcome. We try to welcome people of any wrestling background, whether you've been watching for a long time, whether you just started watching, maybe you're just digging into the older stuff. Whether you only like WWF or whether you've liked everything, come one, come all, come on already. Go over to the Facebook group, join it. It'll be a really fun time, positive environment, lots of jokes, things like that. But serious discussion, too, is always appreciated. And uh, later on in the show, we'll have some more detailed info on our Patreon. But we do have a Patreon, and that's if you want to donate. This is not like the please give us money, get rich quick type of thing. I get rich quick scheme. Yeah, huh? it's not a scheme. Yeah. Uh, but you can go to patreon.com slash OVP podcast if and only if you want to donate. But Quinn... This season, we've been talking about people, we call the segment from a 
uh, started with Jobber, but that's for the sake of simplicity. Well, I think that's what we've done so we've far. Done I mean, best, there was right? the uh, Renegade. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, the Renegade and the Demolition. The Rent-A-Cop. Yeah, the Rent-A-Cop. Uh, yeah. yeah, we talked about the Renegade Demolition of Virgil last yeah. week. And basically, the concept is very simple and straightforward, folks. It's someone that was a star in some capacity. Doesn't have to be a big main eventer, but could have been. And then, within a short amount of time, was reduced to someone that loses all or most of the time. Like, a lot. Yeah, like, like basically mostly, yeah, like they mostly lose, right? Yeah. So, like I said, we talked about Renegade, we talked about the demolition, especially Barry Darso, and last week we talked about Virgil. Uh, this week, Quinn, this was one that had been suggested on the Facebook group a little while back. It's time to talk about Iron Mike Sharp. Yeah, Iron Mike, huh? Now, what's the first thing you think of when you think Mike Sharp? Well, the first thing <laughs> I think of is uh, ah! <laughs> <laughs> It just keeps going. Like it's, it's just a, a loop of him yelling. You can try to discuss something else, but then he'll just go, ah! It's pretty true. Iron Mike Sharp. Now, Mike Sharp is actually probably, in the WWF, one of the most memorable jobbers from the 80s into the 90s. That's true. I feel like he's the precursor to Brooklyn Brawler. Before the brawler came along to be take that role of like the perennial like the like, main event jobber, the main jobber, <laughs> yeah. Like Mike Sharp was kind of that guy. He was like on every episode of Superstars, yep. and he, sometimes he'd even be on Challenge. He was on know, MSG shows, like everything, everything. Like always, just losing to someone that weird like elbow brace brace thing yes. or whatever that was. Or yeah, it was like a bra- brace. It was like a wrist brace. What did right? he have carpal tunnel? <laughs> like I don't know what was that about. Yeah, he was a clerk in his off time. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand. Well, I mean, he's not making any money. He's only getting the loser's end of the purse. 30%, yeah, it's not a lot. Talk to Baron Mikel Sakuna about that. <laughs> so Mike Sharp, folks, actually, believe it or not, was not always a jobber, and this is why it's interesting. Now, first of all, for the record, his real name is Mike Sharp. Oh, so that's nice of him to, to keep his name. <laughs> yeah, he had his real name. They, and, when he went, came to the PC, they uh, they decided <laughs> yes, to... Yes, the PC. It, yeah. When Hugh Morris trained him. Yeah. No, he was actually trained by, believe it or not, uh, The Missing Link. The Missing Link! <laughs> <laughs> Dewey, Dewey Robertson, yes. Wait, he was what? <laughs> it's real. He yeah. was one of the worst things ever. <laughs> Maybe he was a good trainer, Glenn. I don't know. I don't, wow. Now, Sharp had actually made his debut in the early 70s, but not in the WF. He was in Gene Kaniski's promotion in Canada, NWA All-Star Wrestling. He was in Mid-South. 278 pounds from Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Iron Mike Sharp. Talk about action getting out of hand. It's been hot and heavy, and I can't see it slowing down any in this match. But it was in early 1983 when he made his way to the World Wrestling Federation. The World Federation. The World Federation. the Wrestling Federation. Yeah, the the WF, right? obviously. And the thing about Mike Sharp is if you only know him, as most people do, from being the job guy in the mid-late 80s into the 90s, you might be surprised to know that he entered the WWF in early 83 and went on a very impressive winning streak. He won on TV. He was pushed as an actual star. Yes, I've heard and seen some of this. I've seen some. He's shown me some Japanese matches yes. with the Mike Sharp. Yep, he yep. got a world title shot. And Backlund. And that. Yeah. Yeah, so he he was a regular star, mid-card star for most of it, but then he got a main event push for a little bit, and he actually fought Bob Backlund. For the world title. That's incredible. In April of 1983. Which means we're close to that. In, in, <laughs> in our, our 82 reviews. Yeah. yeah. In uh, in Madison Square Garden. And he still won for a bit after that. Iron Mike is the best. I think Mr. Sharp perhaps had that poster made up himself. But by 1984 on the WWF, he was losing more often on TV. 
And also around the same time, he was uh, he did wrestle in Japan, like Quinn mentioned. He was Hulk Hogan's tag team partner yes. in Japan. The Huckster. Hulkamania lives. Hulkamania. Yeah. Yeah, him. <laughs> Hulk yeah, himself. He, he, he was with him. How is that? <laughs> it, what? It seems implausible, right? It's ridiculous. Hulk Hogan, altrettanto massiccio, robusto, questo Iron Mike Sharp. Va fa Napoli, eh? Sharp in the WWF had a very short tenure as anything resembling a star. But he was always on television and generally losing, although he'd occasionally win. Like, I remember him beating S.D. Jones on TV in, like, 1990. What a great victory. <laughs> yeah, what an accomplishment. Who cares? Like, <laughs> I know, with a stupid coat. Yeah. <laughs> stupid coat. You can't even job correctly to King Kong Bundy. Uh, that whole thing. Right, that whole thing. So here's what I wanted to talk about with Mike Sharp, because there's not a lot to say in terms of his career. He had a brief push, and then he kind of was just always on TV losing, right? What I wanted to talk about is he was a pretty good wrestler. It wasn't he had bad. a great look. He had a good look. He could yell a lot. Uh, <laughs> but beyond the just the yelling, I mean, he always had this like confidence, like I'm gonna win. You know, well, like, yeah, he swagger. So the thing about him is, he never came off to me as like a jobber who kind of was aware that he was a jobber. Right. Like, most of them, they come in there, they have a dirt stash, and they look like shit. <laughs> Floppy and mullet. They, you know, they introduce them, and they kind of give the wave, like, yeah, I'm going to lose. Or like, if they're a heel, they kind of just scowl at the crowd real yeah, quick. Yeah, just like, but they're like, that's it. That's yeah. like the most charisma they have. Iron Mike Sharp, you could tell, like... He looked like a star. At least even the character, like, truly <laughs> believed that, like, he was... He was just one win away from the world yep, title, right, like right. any given Sunday, baby. That's what I wanted to talk about, right? Canada's greatest athlete he was billed as, yeah. you know what I mean? And he always like posed like he was the best thing ever. Just this swagger, this confidence, and he'd always lose. Now, do you think, because he was a pretty big guy. Right. He was like 6'3", 6'4", 280. I think that also helped with him seeming less jobbery. That's true, right? And he was actually in pretty decent shape. Do you think that in mid-80s WWF, there was a place for someone like him considering the rest of the roster? I do, actually. A lot of guys were simplistic still at that point. I mean, like, even, like, before Adrian became adorable, right? That was in 85. Like, he was still, like, he just, you know, was the guy that wore the jacket. Like, you know, like, there there was nothing special about him other than he had some charisma. It's, like, things like that. Uh, Even Bob Orton. Bob Orton before the Piper, especially before Piper. super basic, and they they treat him like he's a big deal. (laughs) That's a good point, right? You know, that's why it's, like, it's funny that they just kind of, like, I don't know, they just, like, gave up on him or something. Yeah. He always seemed like a true pro. Yeah. He seemed like someone who really was able to play an effective heel, meaning like if he was on offense against somebody, he was convincing. He didn't seem like a sack of shit. Has he ever done a shoot interview or anything, or did he like no. die early or something like that? Well, early, not by wrestling standards, unfortunately. He died about three years ago. Oh, that early okay. 2016. But he never gave a shoot interview or anything? You because, know, that's a good question. Because it, it would be interesting to know, like, why did he not get... He was... Was he? He seems like a guy that maybe had had motioned to them that he was on his way out the door or something in like '84, and he just lingered and I he guess. never got that break, like in some other territory. Maybe Quinn, because here's the thing: Mike Sharp was as most of the common thread here with all these people, where their careers were on the up and up, and then all of a sudden went down. They were all men in their like either late 20s or early 30s, and right. in, 19, in 1983, Mike Sharp was only 32 years old. 
Yeah. So it's another situation. He didn't look old. He didn't either. look old. No. He wasn't like one of those guys. No. Like, <laughs> right. Looks like he's 50 right. when he's 32. <laughs> right. Like Tony Gurria. Right. <laughs> Always exactly. looked old. But Mike Sharp lingered in the WWF all the way until 1995, which is what? insane to me. Wait a sec. I was watching in 1995. I don't you ever might have remember seen him. seeing him. Do you remember Maybe me? I just didn't. I disregarded him because like I was like, who, like I was new to the scene. Right. You know, like I was like, who the fuck is this? You know who one of his uh, final squash matches was against? And I think it was Raw. It might have been Superstars. What about like Savio Vega? You're close. Yeah. Man Mountain Rock. All right. We're back. Yes. Man Mountain Rock getting ready to lock up with the Iron Mike Sharp. Before all capacity. that noise over, McMahon. I probably saw you that. You probably too, did, you right? Because you were a big man mountain rock, or your dad was a big man mountain rock. My dad was a big man mountain rock. He thought the WWF guitar was like the greatest <laughs> thing he'd ever seen. Like, are you serious? Yeah, it was like a funny thing in our household. We were. He just thought that that was like really amusing. That like somebody would have the logo of the company, like the shape of their guitar. I mean, that must have cost a pretty penny to get that. I thing mean, made, Vince, you you, that's something you could totally see. Vince. We're gonna sell these, yep, yep, like yep. you know, like it, it was like clearly like made to be a product. But we're diverging here. <laughs> yeah. Mountain Rock discussion. Yeah, and his actual last uh, Sharp's last WWF match, for the record, for any of you purists out there, was June 6, 1995, where he teamed up with another noted jobber, Dwayne Gill. What? And then lost to the Smoking Guns. Dwayne Gill and Mike Sharp here. We know that they haven't been together much, and I'm sure that will show. So, as far as Mike Sharp is concerned, he would go on to become a trainer. I think he formally retired like a couple of years after leaving WF. I don't think he did anything. And he trained a handful of people. I think, though, anytime I see him, I look at him as a very credible mid-card heel threat. And that's what I feel like they could have used him as. Don't you think that's just... I don't know. They just... I just think they just gave up. Like, he was supposed (laughs) to have that, like, one run. (laughs) And that was it. like, he was probably... Like, to me, knowing WF, like, back then... (laughs) Right, Because we've watched enough of it now. Yes, we have. It's like, usually you just had your run for, like... You know, going through the territory, and then you left and went to mid south or you yeah, know, he didn't Florida leave. or something. That's the thing. That's why I'm wondering if it's just one of those like failed, like he was just waiting for the next gig, and it just <laughs> turned into like years and years and years, and just never worked out. Twelve years of waiting for the next big push or something yeah, like, like that. <laughs> yelling. I mean, his he way. must have lost hope after the first three or four. But like, <laughs> I'm just saying. Then after that, he's like, "Well, I gotta you know have a job." So <laughs> hence jobber, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. So he he actually fulfilled the role of jobber. He had a job. I guess but i think you're right i mean you, t- you take a look at some of the mid-card heel roster and not to take anything away from these guys but someone like bob orton mm-hmm. someone like uh even don morocco in right. like mid 80s don morocco mid 80s wasn't anything that great yeah but he was treated with reverence and like one they're like oh former intercontinental champion <laughs> yeah, but that's you know, all he like, had right yeah but i mean that was saying something back then because there wasn't like a hundred intercontinental champions <laughs> i know but yeah. all they had for him till the day he left was former intercontinental champion they could never say anything good currently what do you mean about he had, don morocco when he was like big strong man and he had the jesus christ superstar music that wasn't good though was it no you liked it well they pushed him like he was like a big deal they were like he's the rock and this and that okay don't you think mike sharp could have been in the Dino Bravo spot, both Canadian, both strong. I, it probably would have been better. You think like, so? Dino Bravo is hideous. He's a vacuum. I don't understand why Dino Bravo was ever hired, but we've discussed that before. <laughs> you know? So, folks, what I want to do is I want I want all of you out there listening 
to gather your thoughts on Iron Mike Sharp and let us know. Let us know what you know about his push and why it declined so quickly. And also let us know what you think of him. I personally, like I've said, he's one of my favorite job guys of all time. Yeah. I I, mean, I really, really you know, like him. Yeah, you know, what the problem with having a favorite job guy of all time is, What's that, is that Michael? you can never point out a notable match because they're all the same. The one where he beat Steve Jones yeah. is the only one I remember yeah, off the so top of my stupid. head. Oh, I just, again, all I, the most I remember of Iron Mike Sharp is yelling. Like, That's his trademark. Yeah, though. it's just lots of yelling and the strappy arm thing. He adjusted that forearm some way, shape, or form, did something to it. Wow. Right in the kisser. Down to Sal G. One, two, it's all over. That was one forearm shot. Iron Mike Sharp put on Sal G. Posing. And also like gorilla kind of like chuckling and remarking at it just oh Iron Mike, you know, like at like some Boston Garden crap. Like, yeah, you, you know what I mean. I know what you mean. And for the record, some of the guys that he trained though actually were pretty good. He trained Nova. Mike Sharp did train Nova. Yeah, he uh, trained both Haas brothers, Russ Haas, who I never heard of, and Charlie Haas. Really, the Charlie Haas? Huh. Interesting. Yeah, and Nova was all right. Yeah, Not I mean, none, we, we don't have a superstar on this list. At uh, no, we don't. No, no, no. <laughs> so anyway, that's Mike Sharp. That's a uh, that's a guy that was a star, and I I truly believe, and I will say it here for the record, they could have done more worth. Now, I'm not necessarily saying Intercontinental Champion, no, but Intercontinental Title Scene is that that far fetched? Is, is am I overstating how I good think he you're was? Overstating. Why? I think the best he could have ever done was like have a tag partner in the early <laughs> 80s that was decent and won the tag belts. like who uh, anyone in particular know, tony Guerrero or something adrian adonis yeah like shit like that <laughs> he did actually another trivia for you there was one msg show before we wrap up here where i think it's the january or the february of 88 msg show and i forget who the opponents were but it was bobby heenan's family of some kind and it might have been king kong bundy or harley race but whoever was supposed to be on the team was unavailable for whatever reason. What? And guess who filled in and got this like big tag match with Bobby Heenan ringside? Wait, Iron Mike Sharp Iron was Mike managed Sharp. by Bobby <laughs> for, for like, like a match. A, a match? Yes. Like they what? just casually had him in the match, like nothing. I'll try to insert a clip of it here. Bobby the Brain Heenan leading the way down for the king and his partner for this tag matchup, Iron Mike Sharp. But they just casually dump him into the match like nothing ever happened. Well, you know, he was trained by Missing No or whatever. Missing No? Yeah. Pokemon? What's yeah. It? Missing No or whatever? Yes. He was trained by him, and Bobby managed Missing No. So. Yeah, he did manage Missing No. Yeah. <laughs> Folks, that's Iron Mike Sharp. If you have a suggestion for a star to a job, or be sure to let us know on Twitter at OVP Podcast. You can email us at ovppodcast at gmail.com or join the group and let us know. And also let us know your thoughts on the great, my one of my favorite jobbers, Iron Mike Sharpa Quinn. When we come back, we have a long-awaited surprise for our fans. It's oh, a yeah. big deal, folks. We got Huge. a very special segment for you. And it's coming up right after this. of big men in this 182 pounds and it's all muscle it's all men and i'll tell you something a 20-man battle royal i love something like that you know why i like that because bones start breaking and men big strong men start crying and you know when they cry when i whack them right in the head with this this is called the hammer 
and I can beat any man in the world with and I understand Andre the Giant is in there seven foot four seven foot six eight feet who cares when I hit him with this boom he's gonna be knocked out cold and I'll just flip him over the top rope and I'll flip all those other guys over the top rope and I'll be the winner fifty thousand dollars you know I could think about retirement with money like that yeah that would be real nice fifty thousand dollars and welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast here on Monday, April 1st, 2019 for episode number 124. Hey, Quinn, before our very special surprise for the fans, I just want to remind you guys, like we mentioned at the top of the show, we do have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash OVP podcast. And Quinn, like we mentioned, we're not trying to get rich off of this and it's, begging it, for it's money. It's not Sanford and Son. No, it's not. Like There's that. no Lamont. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> There's Lamont. no big one, Elizabeth. Yeah. Uh, we, Who we, brings we, up Lamont? I don't know. You brought up Sanford and Son. I don't know. Lamont. Lamont. Anyway, we, uh, it's not Rollo. Uh, we uh, do have a Patreon. Patreon.com slash OVP podcast and that's if you want to donate if you like what we do here each and every monday we have made it available for you guys to give back to us and we in turn will give you some extra content we have three tiers it's two bucks three bucks and five dollars and on the five dollar tier right now you can get a dose a full-length review of the wrestling classic quinn sure was a classic it really was but it wasn't it was no it was horrible but it was horrible and you know we're at our best when it's horrible. <laughs> that's right folks so if you want to check that out on the five dollar tier you will also get the three dollar tier which is 1982 we go through the wwf in 1982 we are at the end of october now that's bi-weekly every other friday and also on the two dollar tier is the weekly monday raw video the making of every single audio show that you're listening to right now you get full behind the scenes any mistakes that we make if we ever make them yep. i mean we never you, do that you could be watching it right now you could be watching it right now there could be a mistake in this segment that's edited out and you might not know you wouldn't so know you unless to, you watch yeah so you better go turn on the thing right yeah now. and quinn's got a purple shirt on and i have a blueberry yep. stain on my white t-shirt that, from my it's son very, it's very dice <laughs> it's very tight so if you want to go to patreon.com slash ovp podcast check it out feel it out see if anything suits your fancy there but quinn we have been putting this off for a really long time we yeah. promised our yeah, fans forever i know and we apologize for that. We promised our fans that when we hit 50 patrons, we would do the Mount Rushmore and Death Valley of hats. Right, hats. Now, what does that even mean? Well, there's a lot of hats that have been worn in wrestling. We're going to talk hats. about the four best and the four worst. Now, Mount Rushmore and Death Valley, folks, if you haven't listened to the show prior to you know a couple seasons ago, uh, was a segment where Quinn and I would put four of the best of something onto Mount Rushmore. Four of the worst go down into the desert of Death Valley. Yeah, it was kind of the B&B of this show, yeah. or as some people say, bread and butter. Yeah, the bread and butter. If yeah. you, the B&B. The that's B&B. Right, the bed and breakfast. Yeah. And we stopped doing that in favor of the Royal Rankings at episode 101. But we're bringing it back here. That's right. Finally. After all the hat pictures that we've seen on Facebook. After all these years at this point past. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. We are finally going to do the Mount Rushmore and Death Valley of... Hats. Now, hats, when you think of a good hat, Quinn... Die, die, die. <sighs> well, Quinn... There it is, the Mount Rushmore and Death Valley of Hats. Man, it was sure wonderful. I thought that was one of the best segments we've ever done, It truthfully. probably was, in the history of this show, I would say it was right? the best. So we hope you guys like that again. We apologize for the long wait. Yeah, we apologize for the long segment, too. Seriously, it, I, I it took know a while. It was like 
I know it was a <gasps> bit to get through, but whew, whew, yeah, right. we're really through it now. So, Quinn, I think now, if you're okay with it, let's get into the royal rankings. Yeah, I mean, now we got to do that. On yeah, it's a lot of, of that, work, folks, that we that do last here. segment. Ooh. Two uh, segments in one? Wow. Uh, you're really getting your money's worth here. Well, you don't pay anything, <laughs> so it's definitely worth it. All right. It is now time for the royal rankings. Now, this season, we are doing the royal rankings and the royal flush. We're alternating weeks. We started the first episode of the season with the royal flush. And on the alternating episodes, we're doing the Royal Rankings. Now, again, if you're new to the show, what that is, is about a month ago, we asked you guys, you fans, for your top 10 and bottom 10 WrestleManias. Right. All right? So we asked you for all of that. We put them all into this big pule here. The high pule. The high pule. And now what we're going to do is we're going to rank them. Every single week, we pull out two random drawings. And it is random. You can see the drawing on the raw video. Last week, we did the flush. This week is round two of the Royal Ranking. So just a quick refresher for you. At the number one spot is WrestleMania six, The greatest WrestleMania of all time. That's it. I mean, science dictates it. Science dictates it, right? Yeah. And at number two, the second greatest WrestleMania of all time, WrestleMania ten. An admirable position at number two. Nothing wrong with a good number two. Nothing wrong at number two, and I don't know what all the rest are, so... No, we're going to have to find out. This week, we add two more to the mix. Let's go down to Howard Finkel and the Royal Rankings. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now... WrestleMania's Quinn, the real WrestleMania 35 or Statue of Liberty head, is just around the corner, six days away. And it is apropos that we talk about two of the greatest here. Quinn, people are very opinionated in what they think is the best and the worst WrestleMania. This is true. They, they care a lot about, you know, which show is the best. It's usually they care that the show that they watched as a kid was the best one. But <laughs> that, that seems to be uh, the truth here. Someone had pointed out recently, I forget who it was on yep. our board, it was an astute post, that there's a bit of a generational divide between people who find certain WrestleMania is the greatest. And I thought that was a really good point. So anyway, the preamble is, is done. The talk is through. No more turkey. It's time for turkey, it's t- <laughs> We'll have the turkey in a little yeah. bit. For right now, let's all find out who drew number three. Ninety three thousand one hundred and seventy three allegedly yeah, fans. Or seventy eight thousand according. <laughs> Dave Meltzer has shit all over the show. Actually, he's <laughs> hey, just doing his job, Manch. Manch. It's WrestleMania three, folks. How appropriate! At number three is WrestleMania three. Unbelievable. Now, this Quinn, in my opinion, 
This is like the first real definition of a WrestleMania. I agree. Big feel. It was bigger than the Rolling Stones. Bigger than the Super Bowl, bigger of than, course. Bigger than bigger than the Pope or whatever <laughs> they said. It, yeah, it was. Uh, WrestleMania 3, folks, of course, from March of 1987 is one of the most iconic WrestleManias. Is that a good way to put it, Quinn? I love this show, Joe. I do, too. As, as, a, as a boy. Yeah, um, as a boy. I'm glad. I rented the VHS tape in the mid-90s because I was, you know... You were catching up. Yeah, I was catching up, and I watched this, and I was like, holy shit, this is, like, better than any wrestling thing I've ever seen. Like, it's huge. Yeah, the atmosphere alone. It was unbelievable. You know, it's weird because I always say this show has a point in it where it's 80s, you know, mid-80s, like, kind of crusty WWF. (laughs) Right. And then, like, after the Intercontinental title match, we're in the modern era now. It's like, this is to me, that's how it always felt when yeah, I watched it. That's like, a Michael Quinn observation. It's an original observation. You didn't get true. that from I've anywhere. I've said that for years now. I, there's, a, there's a point in this show where you've like moved to the next generation of wrestling. The, the switch flips, if you will. Yeah. And this was obviously a, uh, a big deal, this WrestleMania. That's putting it very lightly. Obviously, Hulk and Andre was the big main event draw for this. But there's a bunch of other iconic matches, especially one in particular. Let's run the card down, Quinn. This is the first WrestleMania that we've discussed, where there's no pre-show match and no dark match. Right. Did you know that? This That's is just interesting. straight to the card, obviously before the card even begins. Do you think that has a has anything to do with the fact that it's just such a big venue that they were like, we don't need to do probably. any of that crap. Yeah, like, probably didn't like, need to warm the crowd up or anything yeah, like, like that. This is awesome. Like, there, there, We don't there. need to say anything else. It's like there's a million people here. Yep. Like, what the hell? And to open the show, of course, Vince uh, is in the ring, gives a very triumphant, you know, ego-filled, I'm sure, Boast about how it's WrestleMania uh, three is in all his glory. If he was in all his glory at the first two, like oh, yeah. saying it's WrestleMania, like oh, this, this is one, it, man. like this is his crowning achievement. This is like the national expansion gone to its apex. It's not going to get bigger than this. His trousers were probably at an apex too, if oh, you know boy. what I mean. And he introduces Miss Aretha Franklin with a beautiful, unsoundchecked version of America the Beautiful. Wonderful, really but, good. But up to that point, the best one. And oh, they, definitely. And, they and definitely, Charles was Ray good. Charles was good the year yeah, before, too. But she was just beautiful here. And it makes the event feel like this is a classy thing. It's not like some stupid shit. Right. This isn't cheese. 80s cheese. Right. How about exactly. that? I mean, as much as wrestling can get away from 80s cheese. Right. <laughs> anyway, Girl Monsoon and Jesse Ventura, of course, are the commentators, joined occasionally by Bob Euchre and Mary Hart, which is great. At the beginning, they're joined and they're, by them. Yeah. yeah they're there in the beginning. The beginning. And, and I never thought I'd be with, with the... With the gorilla, with, with the body, and the uke. Yeah, like that whole <laughs> Mary thing. Hart. Mary Hart's really funny she at this is. show. She is way better than like Susan St. James. Kathy Lee or, Crosby. Yeah, all that shit. I I have always, always wanted to stand in the broadcast booth with the body, with the gorilla, and the youth. So let's run down the matches when we open with a match that probably everyone knows by heart at this point, having watched WrestleMania 3. Right, yep. It, it, it's the first thing you see. <laughs> yeah, so you just, of course, it's embedded. It's the Can-Am, or as Gorilla always said, the K&M connection. The K&M connection is certainly going to have to use their speed, agility, cleverness. Right. Martel and Zank, a hot up-and-coming team, actually, versus the uh, somewhat middling heel tag team of Bob Orton and Don Morocco. This, this team is the result of, like, things falling apart in different things. Yes. Like, it's like... <laughs> right. It's like Piper, Piper being face yep. and Morocco and Fuji. Having nothing to do. Yeah, it's just kind of like just put together. Yep. I don't. Is this one of those matches that could have been on Superstars or something? Could have been like, like a main good, event slot. Could have been like a good Superstars or Primetime feature match. Yeah. yeah. But it was a decent little match. Hot little opener. Peppy. 
I've yeah. always liked it. I have no problem with it. Yeah, I have no problem with it either. I think it gets the crowd going. Um, mm-hmm. It is weird that like Fuji's there and he kind of does nothing. Nothing at all. Yeah, right? <laughs> he's, just, he's just standing there. In the stupid suit, but it's decent enough. Then we have the iconic, of course, Billy Jerk Haynes versus Hercules right, feud. Which, which starts with literally Billy Jerk Haynes like, being set. <laughs> it's Billy Jack Haynes. Uh, Billy Jerk. Now, this was over a chain, I guess, and the full Nelson was their yeah. main gripe. But this, the way this ends is actually really fun because it's your first color. Yeah. Like, had any WrestleMania had color at this point? Like, at the other two? I don't remember anyone really getting busted open. Maybe That's blood for you laymen at home there. Yeah. Uh, I don't, yeah, Bundy did a wussy blade job at two. That's true. Okay. So but in the main did, event. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is only the match. second match and people are getting busted wide open. Now, this isn't very good. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. No, but I, again, I like the, the chain punch thing the chain the punch by hercules yeah, and it's yeah, really good billy jerk a noted very sane stable person yeah <laughs> vincent it was a kennedy mcmahon i call it vincent k vincent killer mcmahon are you mental get the net Although he Billy Jerk does the sell of his life when he gets hit by that chain, he the does. way he like falls over, I'll always remember like he how he just like falls like a bag of rocks. Yes, you know? he does. Like, he just falls right over. Yep, and this obviously was there to put Hercules over. It worked. Uh, Hercules was somewhat notable in the rest of the eighties, and then we move on to a fun little match, as stupid as it is. It's <laughs> Quinn's favorite, the Haiti Kid. Uh, <laughs> I hate him. Teaming up with Little Beaver. <clears throat> yeah, I don't <laughs> like him either. <laughs> Who doesn't like a Little Beaver every now and then? And Hillbilly Jim. Which, you know, yeah, I don't have a fine. problem with him, Mr. Coliseum video. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Hi, folks. And they take on, of course, the team of Little Tokyo. Right. Lord, he's okay. He's okay. Lord Littlebrook. Of course. I like him. And King Kong Bundy with Bob Uecker sitting in on commentary. Now, Bundy, you know, I have mixed feelings about Bundy. But well, I mean. What a, what a downgrade. That's the main from, problem from, here. That's what everyone notes all the time. What right? a it's downgrade. Like he, he, was like the f- he was the main event of the last show. Yeah. Of the last WrestleMania. Now he's in a midget match. Yep. And uh, Hillbilly Jim's team wins by DQ. All the midgets turn on Bundy. Which is par for the course in a midget match. Usually yeah. they turn on the heel. And also, I, I must note that Bobby the Brain, he, even though he technically manages King Kong Bunny, he doesn't show up for this. And later in the show, he, like, he's like, I don't, that. I don't like manage midget matches. Yeah, like, I don't so, deal with midgets, so I didn't lose technically. Yeah, that's like, kind of funny. Yeah, Bob Euchre is the best part of this, I think, on commentary with his little one-liners. A shot to the boiler. Yeah, does he stuff. say something about laundry or something? Yes, I, he does. I don't, something weird like that. And I guess Bundy, you know, uh, beats up Little Beaver a little bit. You know, elbow yeah. drops him and all that. Bundy would go on to say he he thought he killed him don't forget a little rowboat action a little rowboat it was okay it's fun it's inoffensive honestly it's like four minutes who it cares is funny it's when okay Bunny slams little beaver or whatever it is funny yeah and then we have harley Raysa versus yep. junkyard dog where the stipulation is the loser must bow now this is all kinds of messy because yeah, well even down to like the opening thing that joe always loves this it's like <laughs> moolah staring into space like doesn't really understand what the hell this right. is so i can't we can't accurately translate it to audio like right. if i could drop in the clip it wouldn't do it justice well, but she's just staring yeah when bobby is with harley race who looks like a jackass with his king attire moolah's there for for some reason, and when Bobby's like, Mula, this is yours, you know, the crown, yeah. she looks so confused, like she she's never a- been here before. <laughs> and anyway, this whole thing was really dumpy. Junkier Dog cuts a decent enough promo where he's like, right. my mama told me the only person to bow down to is the good lord above. Which and I've never done like, a Junkier Dog. into the sky <laughs> yeah. or something. And that's fine, but actually, Harley Race wins clean, which was surprising <laughs> if you think about Junkier well, Dog. okay, so to me, this is the, this is like, 
the end point of the junkyard dogs like downward trajectory yeah, I think so. saw, after he wins the wrestling classic in that like bullshit fashion i right. never like liked him after that <laughs> i don't blame it's you garbage and the other thing that's garbage here is the dude the dog right he enters into this stipulation match yeah he loses and he refuses to bow no but he he kind of he's been a douche about it yeah, you he- lost do it. They, they get he him to do it. He curtsies. That's, that's fair <laughs> enough. It's not a bow quin. But um, you know, then he like takes the crown and like puts it on his head, and then he barks some more. Yeah, that's what he does. And everyone's like, okay with this <laughs> yes. because like you know, yeah. No, why do the move rules on. just never apply to the junkyard dog? <laughs> Have you ever noticed this? Like, Jesse is not like joking about right. this. Like he always would complain about him. But he's right. Yeah. Like, the rules don't seem to apply to the junkyard dog, right? He just does whatever the fuck he wants. He's a jerk. Uh, next match up here. It's the end of the Dream Team, Quinn. It's Bruce Buffcake and Greg Valentine. Now, as Gorilla would tell you, the last year they had a nightmare. nightmare they were the, the Nightmare Rosemont. Team. That's yeah. right. They're accompanied by their manager, Johnny V, and Dino Bravo for some godforsaken Unfortunately reason. Unfortunately for all of us. <laughs> and they take on the middling kind of milk toast Rougeau brothers. Yeah, the they non-heel yet. They weren't fabulous yet. Yeah, they were they, just the Rougeau they brothers. They hadn't moved to Memphis or yeah, whatever. With their American with flags. tiny American flags. Hi, we are here in Memphis. Yeah. And what I always found strange about this match, Quinn, perhaps you can lend some insight to the kayfabe dealings here. So Dream Team wins, but I guess in the process there was like a miscommunication and Beefcake nailed Valentine by accident. But the Dream Team they still wins win. the yeah. match, right. and then they turn on Beefcake. Wouldn't Shouldn't they have lost and then so, turned on Beefcake? In my brain, when I watch this, right? Yeah. I, Gorilla seems to suggest that the fix is in early on. With De- like, Dino Bravo, what is he doing there? <laughs> like, well, Gorilla always has a problem if you don't have a manager's license. Right, exactly. This is not a six-man match, Jess. What are all these guys doing out there? Advisors, Gorilla. Advisors to keep law and order. Troublemakers is more like it. And I always suspected that basically, like, it didn't matter what happened, even though that that happened. Like, right. they were going to turn on him anyway. Like, this was in the cards. Oh, they were dumping him regardless, they were, you're saying? Like, that's how I looked at it when okay. I when I watched it. was like, oh, I guess this was like a setup either yeah. way. Like, okay. And then they had a, a valid excuse, and then they got rid of him. Well, thank you for clearing that up, Quinn. But uh, th- they needed to do that because of the next match. Yeah, which is a big match here. This was a, a highly promoted as Roddy Piper's retirement match. Uh, to be fair to him, he did stay away for two years. True. So it wasn't like he came back like in six months. Like he really was gone for they over two make, years. They live with the eyeglasses. <laughs> great that, great movie. Dead people. It's a great movie. A cult actually. classic, man. We should do a review of that. <laughs> we should. But it would be like a good review. It would be. Yeah. So Piper had turned face in the summer of 86, came back to find that his uh, Piper's pit had been taken over by adorable Adrian Adonis. They the inst- flower shop. The flower shop. Yeah. They instigate a feud. Bob Orton with the pink cowboy hat, of course. Don't yeah, forget. <laughs> so we have a hair versus hair match here, which was a funny stipulation. Piper heroically wins with the sleeper hold. Some guy gets in the ring and tries to celebrate with him. Remember that? Yeah. Like, oh, that guy. Yeah, remember that? Now, actually, you know, it's funny you say the hair match is a funny stipulation. Because if yeah. you recall, Piper said at the last WrestleMania, it's like, I ain't going to get my head shaved like an Indian or yes, something. Yes, he did. He's so, very politically did, correct. Was that like a was that like the follow up? Maybe I wouldn't think so. I just think it's weird that a lot of Piper's matches from WrestleMania WrestleMania have like a weird connection. Thread. <laughs> I guess like, so. because like you know it's a connection from the first one in the in, in the second in the one, second and then one, the yeah. third one it's a hair match after he made that comment about the hair. Well, that's fair. I just I just always thought that was weird. In the fifth one, he doesn't want the smoke blown in his face. Right. Don't forget about true. that. So anyway, uh, Adrian Adonis, for the record, I find awesome. I find him underrated as a bumper as a he great and this. this this is some of the this best fun. bumping I've ever seen him do. He, <laughs> right? He looks like Humpty Dumpty. He's like huge. He's huge, but he's making agile. it. He's he's unbelievable. Yeah, so, he does such a good job. To me, this is like a Hall of Fame job by Adrian. Seriously. Right here. Yeah, this is a classic match. 
fuck the star rating. It's just fun. Five-star match and six-star match. No, it, it serves a purpose for the it's story. Great. I mean, that's what it is, right? Right. So, at the end, right? Mr. Roddy the Piper, he wins, you know, the yep. fan comes in, <laughs> right. they get they get him the fuck out of <laughs> yeah. there, like 10 million security <laughs> yeah. people like, grab him. But then it's like, okay, it's time to shave his head and who comes out? And for no reason, really, like nobody really understands at the time what's going on. Yeah, no one knows. Brutus Beefcake, who isn't a barber yet. No, he's not. Comes out. He hadn't and gone he, to barber school. He goes to barber school right here. He yeah. gets his license right here. That's he shaves right. Adrian's head. Um shittily shaves his head like it's like all terrible it's like <laughs> yeah. spotty and stuff adrian punches the mirror remember yeah. the way he flips out adrian punches the mirror it's he looks great. like a fool <laughs> yep. and that's the big send-off for roddy but now brutus the barber yep. cake yep. is face yep. and like that's important because by wrestlemania 4 it's like this guy is like the big deal right he's like going for the intercontinental title champion yeah. yeah what a package be, what a package <laughs> one more wrestlemania to what a package and then we have a match that Really, I I always felt like probably could have been better. I guess you know just wasn't. Well, I'll tell you why it's shitty. Well, dangerous Danny Davis. Right. But this is a big payoff because Davis had been the heel ref. He wore khakis. All this shit. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> I mean, I, this is this match is one of Gorilla's favorites too because oh, it's like when he big cheated for Danny <laughs> yeah. Savage. Like what? Like that right. didn't even happen. But they do some great continuity because right. he teams with the Hart Foundation. He was a member of the Hart Foundation stable. Yeah. Uh, with Jimmy Hart, and now the Hearts are the tag champions here, by the way. Right. And they used to call us Hart Fart. Yeah. And they take on the British Bulldogs, who in the Hart had beaten in January. Right. And Tito. So the continuity of Tito being the right. guy that was screwed by Davis is a nice I mean, touch. It's unfortunate that you couldn't also have Brandy Savage involved, know, too. That would have been funny. That would have been a much better match. Yeah. Now, Bret Hart has talked about in his book, he's like, you know, as soon as the match started, I got poked in the eye, so <laughs> the whole thing was a teary blur to me. Of course, Bret. <laughs> some excuse. But uh, it was a decent enough match. Uh, yeah. The only thing it's I okay. would say is that it is unfortunate that we didn't just get to see a straight-up Hart Foundation for the Bulldogs for the tag titles yeah. at this like huge show because I think it would have been a great showcase for both teams. For yeah, because maybe it would have helped the Bulldogs especially because after this they become kind of a joke. I will add also Quinn that Danny Davis gets the pin, which is great heel heat, and Mary Hart uh, oh, the, is the awesome on commentary. Yeah, Mary Hart saying I'm not related to them. Yeah, yeah. one time I might have liked that to be true. Yeah, like then, that whole thing. <laughs> she calls a pile driver at one point. Like, yeah, she you're actually like, what <laughs> she knows what she's talking. She's like, good. Oh, look out! Driver. Oh no! She's the first to me, the first WrestleMania guest commentator where you're surprised that she's actually not terrible. Yeah, her and Yuke are awesome yeah. here. The whole and show. I think that also helps this show, which we haven't really commented about. The celebrities are good. Yeah, and there's like, not a lot of them. There's not a lot of them, but they're the ones that they got are actually like they care. From like, urethra they, at the beginning, yeah. to these two, and then there's one more that we'll mention. Right. Well, yeah, one more that we'll mention. Uh, Butch Reed defeated Coco Beware in a nobody cares match. Yeah, what um, was the point of that? I don't know. I, no one cared. I mean, I, I like both pretty guys. New then, and Butch Reed was kind of coming in also. Maybe Reed was, was newer, I think. Yeah, I just want thinking maybe they just wanted to showcase them. Say like, yeah. okay, we're going to do things with these guys in 1987. Okay. So here they are. Like, yeah, that's basically that, what happened. That's basically what it was. Yeah. And that's a thing in WrestleMania that's kind of disappeared over the years is that a lot of focus on like the end. Like, right. That this is the end of the year. But back in the day, they used to throw in little stuff like this that like to build they, someone they, like to say like, yeah, this is an unimportant match, but you'll understand in November or something like that's fair that we're going to push these. These these people are going to be part of the live shows. That's this a fair year, point. And they're new. Yep. You good know? point. And they Very used to do point. that a lot. You're right. Uh, and then, of course, we have Savage Steamboat. 
Yep. For the Intercontinental <laughs> title. I mean, what more needs yeah. to be said about this match? I don't think we need but to, to me, say much. As, you know, when I was saying earlier, it's about the whole, like, you know, most of this show is very 1986, 1985 <laughs> right. at this point. It's it's kind of ending a lot of that stuff other than the butchery thing. Yeah. You know, ending like a lot of this crap, right? Like right. Junkyard Dog and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Dream but this team. match, you hit this match, right? All of a sudden, the match quality, holy <laughs> shit. Yeah, up, really. This, it, a lot of people have said, and I've started to see this get through a lot of the WWE Network documentary footage now, and right. I'm glad people are saying this, is that before this, WrestleMania had all like everything other than the match quality. That's and after true. This match now WrestleMania could say this is an event where you might see the greatest match of all time or the greatest match of the year, or whatever. You know, Quinn, that's fair. This is the first truly classic match match yeah. at a WrestleMania from a quality standpoint. It yeah. really is. Some people would say it was the Bulldogs thing, but I don't yeah, agree but that was that. good. But yeah. this this is on another level. There's not much more to say about it. We've we've done commentaries on yeah. it. We've talked about it a lot, but it's truly a great moment when Steamboat wins. It's a fantastic match. The commentary's great. The crowd's into it. Yep. George Steele gets kicked in the head. It's great. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> it's fantastic all around. And, and the next match kind of maybe suffers a little bit because yeah. the, that match was so great. It's like this is where the Butch Reed match should have been, right? Yeah, or the the last match before the main event should have been here. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. And this would be Honky Tonk Man, who was relatively new and had just turned heel a couple months earlier, versus Jake Roberts, who had just turned face a couple of months earlier. But formally. you got Alice Cooper, more importantly. Yeah, involved. from Detroit. Nightmare music. Yeah. <laughs> no, nightmare music. Honky has his original theme. Right. Yeah, scary. scary. He just looks like an ass, and Honky wins, which is crazy. So, okay. Here's the thing, is that, again, I feel like this is setting up, this is what you're going to see in 1987, right? It's like, because like, it, it's actually kind of weird, too, that it comes right after the Intercontinental title match. It's like, ooh, it's like, it's it's like it's ominous. foreboding. They like, want to hear, that's all right, honky-tonk mama. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, honky-tonk, again, he's pretty new here. He just come yeah. from the suspenders face edition, <laughs> Yeah, right. now he's heel. Am I face or heel? Yeah, <laughs> <Remember> exactly. <laughs> and he'd hit uh, Jake with the guitar, with the guitar on yeah. the, in Snake Pit there. Yeah, I remember Snake Pit. And Jake is... Uh, you know, he's a face now, face. but he's rather newly face, isn't he? Yeah, officially, yeah. yes. And it's a fun time, but again, anything that followed Savage Steamboat was going to suffer, this happened to. It's yeah. not bad, though. It's just weird that they put this match where they had the celebrity in this spot. Right, like right after but it. also, nobody knew that the Savage Steamboat match was going to be as good as it was. Probably, because, yeah, um, right. <laughs> uh, it's always noted that it stole the show, like, and it's the, they always say it's the first match that sold the show, which yeah. means they probably had, there was no precedent for a match stealing the no, show. No, I wouldn't think this. so. Right, there was no like idea that like that could happen. Right, I you know agree. What I mean, so it's like they're like they're probably after that match like taken off guard. They're like, oh my god, that was like they know immediately that's going to be better than Hulk versus Andre. I'm sure right? they knew that. Yeah, they were like, so now it's like, but Hulk okay, Andre the brought the fans in. Yeah. yeah, and then we have the one last cool down match here. It's the Sheik and Volkov. Who cares against the Killer Bees? Most notable thing here, Quinn, and the Sheik and Volkov win by DQ, is that Jim Duggan, a very new Jim Duggan, right. makes his presence known here, and he looks like Bloodsport Jim Duggan. He comes in. Also, the, the sun goes down officially. That's I remember all the it gets way down, like, really right? dark yep. at this match. And Slick is in that dapper attire, very. and it gets ripped off of him. Yeah, but Tito comes in, doesn't right. he, to help he, out? He rips it all off yep. at the end. So that's a whatever the throwaway. Hat. Yeah, the bowler hat. And then we have Hulk Andre, which another match we've talked about plenty of times, but this is what people came to see. Uh, Hulk Hogan, the champion for three years, which it is a long time to be the champion. Three years to be a champion. It's a long time. 
Andre the Giant, one of the most iconic wrestlers at that point and, and ever, obviously. Big star in the 70s into the 80s. Yep. They have a, a match with... They definitely didn't have seven years earlier at Shea Stadium. It never <laughs> happened. Well, okay. Never. The, the context is way different, though. Yeah, I know. I mean, here's the thing. Andre was a heel. From, from my understanding, and a lot of... I, maybe it's a myth, whatever. I, I don't know. A lot of people have told me this, especially back in the 90s, people who like lived through it. Who When I started watching this tape as a kid, yeah. like people who were into wrestling before told me, it's like, oh, we really thought like Andre was going to win and right. that was going to be it. And right. That's why people were there because they thought like, this is the end. Right. Like, well, that's fair. Folks, if you were watching at the time, let us know what you thought. I always like to hear people that were actually watching. Did you think Hogan was going to win or did you think Andre was going to win? Obviously, we know who won. Hogan right. won. Star rating quality, notwithstanding, this is such an important match in WrestleMania's history. It gave the biggest feel in terms of main event. Yeah. And it's an iconic match. Now, according to David uh, Meltzer, he gave this negative four stars um, and ranked it the worst work match of the year. Good the fuck for him. It yeah. drew a ton of money. Yeah, it drew a shit ton of money. So, what, doesn't he care about that, too? I well, I mean, it only drew 78,000 fans, according oh, to him, too, right, Joe? Oh, yeah, that's that, true. That, that's really why. Horrible. Yeah. Oh, good <laughs> man. I, I, just needed, good I just needed to bring that up because I always find that, like, just a yeah. stupid thing like, what does that shit? matter? Who cares? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're an idiot. <laughs> it didn't draw, like, 100,000 fans to the Wrestling Observer, right. so who gives a shit? Like, it's like, shut up. Oh, like, shit. 17 people read that. <laughs> so that's WrestleMania 3. Why don't we move on now and all find out who drew number four. History in the making now as Hogan and Rock walking up. Hogan Rock is about all you need to say to introduce WrestleMania now, 18 or X8. X. It was during that, that branding. <sighs> no, actually, when I thought. X7 and X8. Personally, Dumb I thought you didn't like it because no! I thought that that came off as easier to read because it, it's it's only two things, so it was just. Oh yeah. I just meant that like once you get with the seven and eights, you uh-huh. got the extra the V and the high uh-huh. I, so it's like it's more compact. Yeah, that's you could all. Also put a one in there instead of an X and say eighteen. I'm just listen. <laughs> would you just? Okay, I'm sorry. Now, recipe eighteen, folks. This is post Attitude Era. Right, post-Attitude. Technically, right? Yeah. Because according to the WF, Attitude Era ended around WrestleMania 17. Right. And really, the ratings started to drop off after WrestleMania 17. because they the, didn't drop for this match. No, I mean, this is a big deal. So we're yeah. finally back at Skydome again, just like WrestleMania 6. Yeah. Oh, Skydome International! Oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we have a call. First of all, I'm surprised that this WrestleMania made yeah, it. I wanted, I was, that was the first thing I actually did want to say, because... Guys, like what? <laughs> yeah, like, right. So, uh, well, I guess we, we'll, we'll go through it. In I, duty bound, we'll do yeah. it, right? So the dark match, which was technically just the Sunday night heat match. Yeah. Remember that was still a thing? Yeah, that was point? the thing. It was like an actual show, kind of yep. like how like Saturday night would be on Sunday for whatever reason in WCW. Yeah, or the main event sometimes. Yeah. So the pre-show match here was Albert, Rikishi, and Scotty Too Hotty defeating this is what a ragtag team yeah, this is, listen this to is this like, folks to me this is like these people are on the roster and right. they want to make sure they get <laughs> they on get the a show. payday yeah. yep lance storm mr personality himself test yeah who cares yeah 
And Mr. Perfect. Mr. Perfect. <laughs> First of all, you know, like this is probably one of the last times they could ever use him because it's like 02, right? Yeah, like, he's he was not in that there rumble, much longer. Like, remember he made it to the end of the rumble yeah, that year? Did. Right. Um, and like you would think like, oh, why not have some kind of farewell big thing to him? It's like, now put him in a match with Lance Storm and <laughs> shit. Like, and Jacqueline is the like, Oh, man, that's so insulting. And Jacqueline's the ref, don't forget. Oh. Hey, Sabble. Uh, so that happened. And then to open the show proper here. We have Rob Van Dam defeating the Intercontinental Champion William Regal. I seem to remember that being okay. It's decent. Right? Like it's it, it's the tip. Also, it's the typical Regal opens with an Intercontinental title. Of course, during this Just phase, seventeen also. Uh, like, yeah, this phase. <laughs> William Regal seemed to endlessly be the Intercontinental Champion. Yep. Like, but he would lose it a lot. But he would still somehow when you got to the big show, he was the champion. Yeah. so he could lose it. Like, and he was always the commissioner too. Oh, at yeah, the same well, time, somehow. I'm booking myself in a match. <laughs> and then we have, in the next match here, what a, this is such a weird time going through this. Diamond Dallas Page. Who's the European <laughs> champion? What? I don't even remember that. What? And I, I saw the show when it happened. Yeah, me too. I don't I don't remember that he was even a champion. Right. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Against Christian. Uh, yeah. From what I remember of this, it was okay. Most things on this are okay at best. Let's be yeah, honest here. This was probably the last hurrah for DDP. Pretty much. Was WWF he, really destroyed him yeah he was old though too he's like 45 46 still, I, here. I still think he was mishandled well maybe that's that you have an he, argument he was doing there fine well, at over 40 in wcw as it was true yeah well bringing him in as the stalker is what <laughs> that's what immediately killed, him. Yeah. killed it yeah i and don't even think he just, was the stalker by this point no, i think he was yoga or something yeah. or like motivational ddp he i can't like remember smiley ddp yeah, or whatever that was i think uh then number four here match number four it's for the hardcore championship it's the champion Maven. Remember Maven? <laughs> okay, so if anybody here if anybody here forgets who the fuck Maven is, Maven, right? Good Maven Lord. was the guy that won the tough enough yes. thing. Well this kid's gonna have a hell of a lot of butterflies. He is he wins the tough enough competition last Thursday night on MTV. The like, first tough enough, I was believe. Was it tough enough or yes. was it something no, it was called tough. something else like Superstar find a challenge. Yeah, find a challenge. No, it's called Tough Enough. I'm thinking of the Diva Search. Sorry. Stop. But Maven was practically the Diva Search (laughs) of Tough Enough. Not Raven. Maven. Yeah. Yeah. So Maven was this weird, bald looking dude who was in WF for like a year year or something because they were obligated to because that was like the rules of the contest. (laughs) And he was like horrible. And Ah! the most notable thing he ever did was get beat up by The Undertaker for the entire Royal Rumble. Right. Because he eliminated Undertaker legit and then Undertaker just beat him up the whole rest of the Which show. Which was more entertaining than yes. if The Undertaker was in the Royal Rumble. Because <laughs> it was just, it was really funny because it was also like mean Mark, like biker edition yes. version. Like the one Booger Red, like just beating the fuck out of him right. for like a half an hour. Right. So Maven here was fighting Goldust and Spike Dudley. And Spike what? Dudley won by pinning Maven. Great. Now, the next match was actually good. It was during a very hot period for Kurt Angle when he was really becoming Kurt Angle the wrestler yes. that everyone now, loved. Was this before or after he put Shane through the King of the Ring a couple, couple of months ass? before? I think that was King of the Ring 02. Okay, so yeah. So a little before. Kurt Angle was still really, his hair. He was peaking here, I think. He was. I think he still had his hair, right? Yeah, I think he did. Yeah, I believe so. It gets cut by Edge in... In the summer, in doesn't the, it? Yeah, later on. So he's fighting Kane, and back in... Honestly, back in 02, Kane was really good still. Oh, this was the good Kane. Period. Really good like, Kane, still with the mask. He wasn't when he first came in, but then he started to like settle into the character, he and I good. thought he became really excellent, actually. Really, Glenn Jacobs was actually a really good yeah. worker during this period of yeah. time. This match is good. Kurt Angle wins, just straight-up singles match. That felt like, you know, the booking on that, that felt like they were like aware that these two were one of their best workers, Like, but they were like kind of under the radar at the same time. They weren't the yeah. big stars yet. Right, right. So it was like... I kind of like that booking. 
Yeah, you know, like at the biggest show of the year. That's a good match. Absolutely. And Voldemort was on the DL, I think, at this point. So, well, I mean, this is good. Some... We don't have to talk about <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, it's true. Uh, and then The Undertaker continued his WrestleMania streak by defeating Ric Flair in a no DQ match that no one cared so about. Oh, well, was... maybe you did, but I didn't. I just thought this is a weird case because it was like. This was the point where they started to say, like, okay, they the Undertaker were really, is, like, undefeated, right? Yeah, they were really hyping it already. And, like, so I guess this was their, this was, like, the early stages of the idea of, like, let's throw some real legends at him. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, true. Like, to try to stop him. True, Triple it's H like, couldn't the year before. Yeah, and the idea, Ric Flair wasn't, he was still, like, he had the, like, younger look. He, yet. Didn't, he didn't look old yet, like, right? literally, he within, didn't look two like a toothbrush year, yet. within two years, his skin would turn to leather and yeah. he would look completely different. Like, he still looked like 90s flair hair and you were like, hey, you know, like, yeah. you know, Ric Flair, it's Ric Flair. It's true. He, he's the former world champion. It he was, could beat him. It was before he looked like Carlton Fisk's glove, you know yeah, what I mean? But exactly. any, anyway, I think Iron Anderson tries to help out, but like Undertaker just kills both of little, them. Uh, Four Horsemen tribute. Little Four Horsemen tribute. Undertaker, I think, had the short hair at this point. He was like in his big evil phase, Booger Red. Big Booger. Big Booger. (laughs) Big Booger. Booger Red might be the dumbest thing that JR ever came out with. Uh, And then Edge defeated Booker T in the We're Feuding Over Shampoo commercial match. Remember that that one? That was funny. That was kind of (laughs) funny. The shampoo commercial match. I totally forgot (laughs) about that. Remember that one? Edge ain't smarter than me. He ain't better than me. And he damn sure ain't as good looking as I am. You know something? After tonight, Edge is going to be the spokesman for a new product. And that product will be the new book. Call, I just got my ass kicked at WrestleMania by the five-time WCW champion. The Japanese shampoo commercial. This match is weird next because here we have Stone Cold Steve Austin. Not in the main event, right. like right in the middle of the show. The biggest star from 1997-8 until this point. Right. Right? Fighting Scott Hall from the NWO, making their big yeah. return, right? Yeah. He's accompanied by Nash. And like you said, Quinn, he's not even near the main event. Let me let me point out a couple things here. This was the point when they were really like, you know, that Triple H, he was he was way better than Stone Cold. <laughs> Do you think like, so? I don't know. No, this was like we were this we were in the heart of it, Joe. Like well, this yeah. is this is when the face turn was happening. Yeah, you're right. And it's like that Stone Cold. He never drew us a dime. Triple H, he's always been the man. Was Mike Graham there? Yeah, I'm just saying. I'm. My point is, is that this was like we are in the prime, like Triple H is rewriting history point. Yeah, really. It's like, and this is kind of the result of it. Is that is that you have Stone Cold Steve Austin, who everyone still cares about. True. I was really excited for this match, and I was surprised where it landed on the card. Yeah, and he was back to normal Stone Cold Steve Austin after like the the funny schizophrenic type. Right, and Scott Paul was actually more of a question mark. It wasn't like nobody. It wasn't even like drunk yet. I don't think it's like people knew there was problems, but they were still like. Well, we remember Scott Hall in 98. He was right. pretty fucking awesome. Like, it's like, I thought like I thought that this was going to be great. It wasn't. Like, I thought this was going to be like Scott Hall was going to come back to WF and was he was going to be amazing. The only, no. the only thing notable is Austin gives Hall one of the funniest uh, stunner cells I've ever seen. The way Hall flips backwards. That's, There's a meme about that now where he shoots all the way up into space. Have you good. seen that? Yeah, yeah, it's good. But what a weird spot. And then we have Billy and Chuck. The why? champions. Tag champions. Yeah, let's put them on after Stone Cold. Right, they're good. Defeating the APA, the Dudley Boys. Wait, how many people are in this? And the Hardy Boys oh boy. in a Four Corners uh, elimination match. Oh, God. I don't even... Very unmemorable. I, didn't... I don't even remember. Billy and Chuck were around this early? Oh, yeah. 
Oh, God. Yeah, no, not good. Billy Gunn and Chuck Palumbo, that would be. Yeah. But the next match is undeniably the reason why this uh, WrestleMania must have made it. Oh, yeah. I this can't is pro- think of yeah, any I other reason. This, to, to a lot of people, this is why they remember this WrestleMania. It's The Rock, who was a big face at the time, don't forget, against mm-hmm. Hulk Hogan. This is his first match back in WF since August of 93. So people are like... Holy shit. And like, it's Canada. Yeah. Where the, the crowds really, really like Hulk Hogan. Right. They're they're like, holy moly, it's the Huckster, he's back, baby. So the Rock, true pro that he is, for the second year in a row, goes into a match as a big face and gets booed. Right. I'm kind of unfairly here. Right. I would so, say true pro, he just rolls with it, yeah. plays the heel when the time is appropriate, because Hulk Hogan gets a huge face pop and he comes out as NWO Hogan. Hollywood! JR insists that, like, oh, the crowd's mixed. It's a mixed reaction. Meanwhile, everyone's cheering for Hogan and booing The Rock. Some things need to be noted here. This was completely unexpected by everyone. Well, apparently I, by WF at least. Yeah. By WF, but even I, even I thought I, I was like, oh, it's Hollywood Hulk Hogan, so he's bad, right? Yeah, like, but he's WF again. Yeah, but it didn't. To me, I I wasn't getting it until the crowd started to tell me what was going on. Right. Okay. Even that's as a fair fan, enough. Gwen. I was fair enough. I, I came into this thinking, you know, he's going to be pure heel, right. Hollywood Hulk Hogan, right. Like, that's what they portrayed on Raw and shit. They did. Like, well, yeah, because they took it a little too far. Didn't they, like, crash the Rock's ambulance or something? Like, whatever. The, people say Vince Russo did stupid shit, and he did. Bro. But this era, and there's more of it to come. Right. At the main event, the actual main event, there were some unnecessary, like, side incidences that they did to try to build shit. Yeah. That weren't necessary. You say all that, by, but, but by the time we got to the right, match all here, that was forgotten. nobody cared. They right. did, All they saw was... Our hero's back. We want to see him beat the hero of today. We don't give a fuck because yep. we grew up with him. Yep. We didn't grow up with him. Right. Like, the, that's what it turned into. And like I've said about The Rock, True Pro just dutifully handles it and plays yeah. the heel and allows right. Hogan to take over because as the that, face. that place would have been... That place would have had a riot if, right. if, if the Rock started acting facey right. and shit. Like yeah. they were like, "You're no, yeah, like, we this, want Hulk. This is Hulk Hogan. Right. What are you? That's Hulk Hogan. He's back. Almost you know? ten years later. So and this, then when Hogan started playing to it, then it got it got it really awesome. it got really fun because and we've always said this about Hogan. One of the smartest, right? He always works to the crowd, and yep. he's probably the best at doing it. Yep. And when he got it, like oh yeah, he got it pretty quickly. What this was, yep, and he turned it into one of his finest hours. It really is. Yeah. And uh, again, match quality, I, it's fine. It's, and it's actually not bad. It's not bad. For a Hulk match. It's probably no, one of the better Hulk matches. It is. And it's very entertaining. And both men do a great job. And Lawler and JR do a great job. They roll with it. They really do a great job on commentary, especially King. This is, like I've yeah. always said, one of King's finest that moments. Is one, yeah. <laughs> it really is. So this is the first one, really, where I think we had the big WrestleMania dream match, which they're still trying to continue this trope all these years later. Right, yeah. This was the template. It could take the blame and the credit for it. 
but it was truly an unforgettable match here. Yeah. Some people said it could have been Hogan, uh, Austin, but I guess those two didn't want to do business. This worked fine as well. The hype around it, the, the, the billing. Yeah. That the match you thought you like never see, it, that was kind of what they were saying essentially. Mm-hmm. It was, I don't know if that was the exact billing, but I do remember it being like, you know, you never thought you'd see this in your lifetime. Right. Like it's like it's superstars from completely different generations fighting each other and promotions like, at this point. And this, right? it, this came off like, Wow, like I, I when they were when they went face to face, it's awesome. It, it's still it's an awesome like moment. It, it gives me goosebumps yeah. to this day. I look at it, I'm like, I never thought I'd see this in my life. I, I never I thought agree. I'd see the Hulkster fight the Rock. Yep. Like that's crazy. Same here. So great match. Rock wins, yeah. of course. Hogan winds up turning face afterwards, and it's great. Uh, we had a cool down match here. This is what they used to think of the women. It's Jazz. Remember yeah. Jazz? Yeah, remember her. Remember <laughs> the, her horrible music. Like, yeah. <laughs> Like that, like you <laughs> yeah. know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I do. Uh, she was a champion. She defeated Lita. Yeah, and Trish Stratus in a triple threat. That Why was. Why did she just retain? It's WrestleMania. That's weird. That's u- that, it's usually weird for that to, to just go on. You <laughs> I know? know. Yeah. No one cared about that. Obviously, yeah. following Hogan Rock, and then no one cared about this either. It was uh, the world champion, Chris Jericho. The undisputed champion, I should say. He had yep. won both belts in December. He unified the titles. Yeah, beat Rock and Austin in Very the same night. Very historic, too, uh-huh. because that was that was a, a yeah. looked-forward-to thing, it was. like the unified. It was, and he, he had Stephanie McMahon with him because Lord knows she had to turn heel, and Triple H was the big challenger face here, and this is, I've always maintained, we had some discussion about Triple H a couple weeks back on the blog, or on the board. Uh, Triple H was good until 2001 on the quad injury, and that was it. And boom goes the dynamite. That's what I've yep. always said. When he came back as a steroided up face in 02, mm-hmm. I never liked him again. Now, I literally never liked him again. Now, Ste- how, what is Triple H at this point in time? What is his involvement with Stephanie? In real life? In real life. I don't Are they think, starting to date or something? I think they were, but I don't know if they were married yet. Yeah. I can't uh, remember. Because I don't care I don't, either. I don't care, but... Uh, They're married point, in storyline. My point is, is the politics start to... This is, this is around the time. I always say that it's around the time that Triple yeah. H is starting to it's starting to become apparent that he's being pushed beyond his capabilities, be, perhaps beyond what he is. I agree. I will say this, though. Triple H has insisted and I believe him because he, he also has respect for the industry that he told Vince, we do not want to follow Hogan Rock. Hogan Rock should go on last. And right. I believe I, him. No, I believe him. If on only that. for the ego of it. Like, well, that he didn't I also want to get believe it just from a just from a book common like, sense, it, common sense perspective. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. So I don't believe the Triple H politic to go on last. But, but yes, this push was not good. They say they also say that in retrospective, Joe. I think at the time nobody could have predicted what we would just witness with know. the Rock versus Hulk. Maybe, but it's possible that Triple H foresaw that happening. Like, I, I don't want to follow the Rock. I'm just, Hogan. I'm just remembering the attitude going into Rock vs. Hulk, where it was just like, "Oh, it's cool that's happening, but whatever." I like, guess and was then, that like, really the attitude? No, that's how I felt before the match. And then right. when they got when they got face to face, that's when I remember being like, "Oh shit, this is what this is." That's all. I just remember not caring about this Triple H Jericho feud. Oh, because this feud sucked. The dog getting run over or yeah, something. All, Lucy. It was all bad. You know what, Lucy. You are the ugliest, smelliest, fattest dog I've ever seen in my life. And this is <laughs> like it was all bad. And this is another situation where you did not need to attach all that stupid drama to the side of it. You yeah. know what I mean? This dog shit, like literally. Why couldn't they just tell the story of how Chris Jericho got like fucked by Triple H? And but like he went like in two thousand, he went like so far right. to turn on Triple H that yeah. he took his wife, and that that's why he's right. the heel. Like, and that's and, all you had to say. And he but. beat Rock and Austin on the same night. That should be enough. But whatever. Triple H won. Literally nobody fucking cared. And Jr. is like. 
way over the top it's about it. It's the greatest yeah. thing ever. Insufferable. Like, like fireworks and yeah, confetti. And it's like, fuck you, Triple Fuck you, Triple Nobody H. Nobody cares. There's a reason that the 10th match on the on the card is remembered and the 12th match on the card isn't. That's right, Quinn. And with that said, it's ranking time. So, like I said, folks, we have at number one, WrestleMania 6, number two, WrestleMania three, uh, 10. I say, Quinn, we f- it's 6 and 3 are going to fight it out for the top spot. I think so. Now, 3 is better than 10. Okay. Not even debating it. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> just true. It just is. Now, yes. so, so here's the thing with 3. Three versus six, folks. What do we I got? I actually personally like three better than six, even though I enjoy six right. a lot. Okay. I like three better because to me it gives the historical like weight. Like I feel like I'm like when Gorilla always says history is made, like I really feel like I'm watching like something change. Okay. With, with WrestleMania 3. Even to this day, I turned on that tape and I feel like I started in one world of professional wrestling and I ended in another. And The dawning of a new era. Right. Like, the like you don't get that feeling out of a lot of shows. But like, at 6, you might also, Quinn. A lot of things came to an end there. The end of Andre the Giant, the end of the original Hogan to era. To me, it feels more engineered. WrestleMania 3, it just feels so like... It's like that Steamboat match happens and you're like, something has changed here. Like... Right. It's just, it's period under the story. One of the things about three versus six is they have a lot of tangibles in common. They're both at a very large dome. Yeah. They both have the ring carts. They both have <laughs> excellent use of celebrities. Right. They both have excellent commentary. Right. Same commentary team. They both have really big main events. Forget the quality, but Hogan, Andre, and Hogan Warrior, both really big main events. The one thing that sets three apart is that Savage Steamboat match. Right. It's the it's got the one quality match, whereas six doesn't have any of them. And, and they're th- kind of the same show. They're they're similar. There are a lot of short, bite-sized matches that are inoffensive. They're they're hyping up what's going on in that year. They really right. encapsulate no, they really like, are. What, like their time. You know? Six has a demolition tag switch, which is really fun. Yeah. But again, three this is really tough. I I I don't Top think, to bottom, they're both great shows. Yeah, I I do think some argument can be made that three up to Savage versus Steamboat might not be that amazing. That maybe we that's keep... half the show or more though. Exactly. That's, that's the thing. That's that's all I'm saying. Well, I think they're both as easy to watch. They're, yeah. They're honestly, I could watch either of them. Three obviously has, I think, a bit more historical significance because of Savage Steamboat and because what of that... the crowd. Well, yeah, but and but Savage Steamboat for what it meant to the wrestling quality. And Hogan Andre for what it did for Hulk Hogan. It really yeah. pushed him to that upper echelon. But then again, Hogan Warrior is a fantastic build, fantastic match. But I also think that three, that Savage Steamboat match, right? I think that that match influences, like, that's like some butterfly effect shit. Like, that match influences how the modern style develops. I always say that. In WWF. In WWF. Like, that's like definitely like, that's like a model. That match, like, yeah, this is tough, Quinn. Though, yeah, I think three probably should get the nod here. I'm just I trying think it to should too, and I, I think it's also more of a if you talk to the 
the 1980s wrestling fan, which both night, uh, even in 1990 and 1987, they apply to both that crowd. Yeah. I think they would agree in, in their fandom. WrestleMania three was that seminal, that, that like tent pole, that, that moment, right? When it was like, this shit is a big deal. Maybe six was a slightly smaller tent next to it. Yeah, exactly. Right? Six is really good fun show top to bottom they both i think encapsulate what a wrestlemania should be during that period of time which is a lot of stars a lot of matches but fans from those days to this day they they still they'll cite andre versus hogan before they would ultimate warrior versus hulk hogan probably but i mean i love warrior hogan too i i love it also but it's it's big but it's not as big you're right you're also right. the like hulk hogan like i don't know canon like the Andre the Giant match is like the the match that made him right. It's like that. I mean, technically, that's yeah. like the in in his like fake kayfabe canon. It's like yeah. once he beat Andre, well, Andre was, died afterwards. He too, died immediately, and he fell in the ocean and all that. <laughs> and then like Hulk Hogan was the best thing ever, or right. whatever. Like that, but that's like literally the like that's like his storyline. Right? Yeah, it's that's like he beat Andre, point, and then and like nobody could stop him. Like right. and nobody did it though until the Warrior, right? Yeah, I understand mm. that, but even even the warrior thing was almost like an asterisk because they kind of just Hulk Hogan just came back like no. and beat Earthquake and everyone, and then won the title again. True, I guess Earl Hebner technically stopped him with the three count when he had a shoulder up, but one anyway, right? Mm-hmm. That was the, that was the first person to stop Hogan. But yeah, I think in terms of overall significance, that's the only criteria that three has on six besides establishing about match. Obviously, yeah. I could take both any day of the week. They're both fantastic. It's close, but if you want to put three above six, I won't argue okay. that. Okay, so the, the three is back, is, is not back, but it's, it's a number one. officially yeah. now the number one, the greatest the great- WrestleMania. Wow, congratulations. Now 18. <laughs> X8. Uh, um, the worst? Yeah. Below uh, 10? I'd yeah, put it I below 10. Really, what do you even argue here? Like Hogan it, Rock is all you got. So, okay. Fuck, fuck 18. All right. No, no but let I love Hogan to Rock. To be fair, compared to 10, right? Yes. Is Hogan Rock, this is going to sound weird, but is yeah. Hogan Rock bigger than any match on 10? It's as big as the latter match in terms of influence. Well, well how are you defining big? No, like, Hogan Rock is bigger, no doubt. It's like a it's like it's a more bigger. historical, memorable thing. Like, you know, just, just in general, just like you think of it as a bigger moment than anything at 10. It's two bigger stars, and it's probably drew a lot more money than anything at 10 could have. Right. But... I think ten with the ladder match ma- and the, and matches the it. Brett match. Well, that's just a great wrestling match, right? Yeah, that's probably the best technically wrestled match since Savage Steamboat matches. I think the thing that that really puts ten pretty easily over eighteen is just that. Let's think of them like submarines or something, right? Sure. Like you with with X eight, you got that one torpedo, and it, right. it's it's the the big one here, right? Are we 20,000 leagues under the sea right yeah. now? Okay, but just checking. if WrestleMania 10's coming back, it's got two shots. That's the it's thing. Got, it's got Owen and Brett, and it's got the ladder match. That's the can, thing. It can, it, they might be smaller torpedoes, but they're, yeah. you know, equally they're bigger. And the ending of WrestleMania 10 is much more feel-good than mm-hmm. WrestleMania 18, despite JR's yelling. I take Vince's yelling all day. Well, fucking X8 is bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Like, no one, no one agrees with him. Like, they're just like, fuck. Like, it's like, it's like now we gotta watch him. I won the match. 
Russia <laughs> last night. Uh, right. Like, like it's like that's like what we have to look right. forward to at the end of that shit. When we could like be like, you know, I, I beat Yokozuna. You know, I, I beat Yoko, and I got to fight my brother own. You know, the, right? Beat that me. To I, me, that's more exciting. Yeah, it like, is. And even ten, though it's Brett just it, going you new, but know, uh, I think Ten's better top to bottom anyway as a show. I think it's less bloated. Yeah. I mean, what, what fucking well, Albert pretty, in the pre-show and let's, shit let's not like act that? Like Ten isn't pretty bloated. Yeah, but I mean, nothing at Ten it, is that bad. It has men on a mission in it. So. Well, they had to be on a mission, Quinn. They were they're bloated too. They're, <laughs> right, let's just be I don't, real yeah, here. Right. I don't think it's that bad though, Ten. I mean it made it to the greatest list. It's not, people like it. Yeah, no, it's not that bad. It's, it's good. just yeah, I But eighteen doesn't yeah, come eight, close to ten. Doesn't come close. And list for one second, just um can we throw out just so we can be fair, yeah. I think the whole 18 thing, the one reason that might work against it a little much, and that's why I want to throw it out as like a, a consideration is because yeah. it's newer, and some people might be like, oh, well, it's newer, so it can't be as good as 10. Yeah, but that's like, not true. I mean, yeah. Any, yeah, right? I mean, because I mean, to be fair, The Rock vs. Hogan is a, a highly remembered, uh, yes. pivotal moment in WWE history. Like, Absolutely. They, they talk about it all the time. The problem for that show is nothing else on it is. Right. It's about a dog that got run over and Billy and Chuck. Sh- and, Japanese and shampoo commercials. Jam- and Stone Cold Steve Austin in a match against like drunk Scott Hall. Yeah, like, that's the problem. Like it had it had a bunch of pieces that were good. And but- it had a bunch of pieces that looked like they were going to yeah. be good. And yeah. it just didn't it didn't live up other than that one match. Right. It's the torpedoes things again. This got a bunch of torpedoes, right. but it's like most of them are done. Most of them missed. Yeah. yeah, it's like <laughs> fell into the ocean. Yeah. with Andre the Giant. I think uh, it's I think this though. The fact that it made it onto the list is good enough for it. Even if it finishes at dead last, it's still within the top ten well, WrestleManias. Yeah, every, everything that makes this list yeah. is still going to be top ten right. regardless. And I, I, so I don't I feel mean, bad for it. It's something goes below 18. It's possible, but I, uh, you know, I don't feel bad for it either way. Let right. me put it that way. So are we in agreement that it's at number four? Yeah. Okay. So, folks, this is the Royal Rankings now updated as of round two for this week, April 1st. Number one, WrestleMania 3, the greatest WrestleMania of all time. I can't believe it. What a rating. Followed very closely by WrestleMania 6 at number two. Yeah. And then WrestleMania 10, hanging strong, number three spot, not bad. And at number four is WrestleMania 18. That is the updated Royal Rankings for week two. Be sure to let us know yours. You can do that on Twitter at OVP Podcast. You can email us or join the group. But Quinn, when we come back, we were on a quest to finally review something good. Will it happen? Was it good? What happened? I don't know. We'll have to find out. World Class Review coming up right after this. One epic encounter. Do you people want to see the immortal Hulk Hogan go one-on-one with the great one? That no one could have imagined. A match for the ages! Has become reality. Hulk Hogan. What makes you think you're even in my league? The Rock. The matchup that will determine who will go down in history as being the absolute best ever. WrestleMania, live March 17th on Pay-Per-View. And now, back to our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast here on episode number 124. Quinn, before we continue our quest to see if we finally, 
found something good to review. We've had some stinkers lately. We've been searching. We have been, folks, and we even asked you guys for help. But before we get to that, I want to ask for your help and check out some friends of the show. There are three podcasts that we really like. We want you to check them out. Check out the wrestling podcast about nothing hosted by two guys that have actually worked in the wrestling business. One of them, a retired referee, Mike Crockett. The most retired. Extremely retired. Yeah. And the other one we hope to see this Saturday, the big... G1 Supercard, hopefully, if nothing else, in the uh, Royal Rumble. The Honor Rumble. Yeah, the Honor Rumble. Yeah. That would be the brawler, Brian Malonis. Yeah, the Wine City Whaler. Wine City Whaler, of course. I'm pulling for him. If you, whatever match. Whatever you're in, Brian, we got your back, man. We'll be there, full support. I am the Wine City Whaler. Uh, but check out the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. It's a really great show. They bring their unique perspective as guys that have worked in the business but are also fans. Check it out. Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. Also check out the critically acclaimed, the critics' favorite, really. The critics' choice. Village Voice. Gave it glowing reviews, obviously. New York Times podcast uh-huh. section. We mentioned all yeah, Rolling people. Stone and all this stuff. Yeah. It's greetings from Allentown, folks. GF Allentown, hosted by one guy, Petey Winston, and condolences, Petey, on your cat. Sorry to hear about that. Oh, yeah. I didn't hear. Yeah, the cat. The cat no with more the weird cat. medicine. Yeah, thing. no more cat. Passed on. But check out, but uh-huh. see, if you listen to the show, you get to find out these interesting tidbits from Petey Winston's life. It's a very unique show where he actually allegedly reviews wrestling, but that, while, that's like that, background. That, to me, that's like the premise of the show. It's the but premise, it's like, yeah. It's kind of like how Seinfeld, the premise is, here's four friends. But it's like, it turns into like, you know, Bob Sacamanta. Right. Like, like Kramer ass man. Yeah. Kramer the ass man. Exactly. Yeah, like that shit. So don't be an ass, man. Go listen to GF Allentown. Greetings from Allentown. Great show. Comes out on Thursdays. And also check out, if you like your retro wrestling slathered in barbecue sauce, check out our Southern Fried Brethren. South of the Mason-Dixon line, it is booking the territory with Mike Mills. They are the un- professional wrestling podcast and they keep it very classy they do two shows they talk about the nwa crockett era and they also talk about smoky mountain so check out our three friends of the show the wrestling podcast about nothing g f allentown and booking the territory with mike mills but quinn we are going down to dallas today uh, we had asked for your help folks I posted a very blunt question. I said, what's the best year of World Class a couple yeah. weeks ago? And many of you responded with late 82 throughout 83. So we decided, fuck it, smack dab in the middle of that, March 26, 1983. We want to find a good episode of World Class. We have yet to. Now now you ask, why? Why yeah, are why? we looking for a good episode of World why, Class? Because Quinn? me and Joe, we watch World Class a bit now. I feel like we've watched enough episodes. Watched enough, right? yeah. And every time we watch it, it's awful. It's absolutely terrible, and I'm and I'm like, what are they bragging about? Like, what <laughs> right, is right. so good about this? Right, what like, has Michael Hayes been hyping all these years? Right, so I said to Joe for this one, I'm like, can we just find out, like, what are the good episodes? Right. Like, just so we can find out, like, what this is. So, here we go. We're <laughs> going to judge, go. like, fairly. Very uh, fairly. Very no preconceived fair, notions like, here. Here, we got, their, we got some of their best stuff. Yep. Let's, let's do it, baby. That's why I asked you guys. I wanted to know what was good. 1983 is supposed to be great. So this is March 26, 1983, some 36 years ago, and this is uh, from WWE 24-7. So we're joined by Doc Hendricks, yes, Michael Hayes, and Ugh. Kevin Von Erich. Hi there, everybody. How's your daughter? No, just kidding. <laughs> Michael P.S. Hayes here with... <laughs> Kevin Von Erich. <laughs> Kevin Von Erich. And they're in their mid two thousand studio. You said Quinn. Yeah, <laughs> Kevin's got the freaking Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, tucked in. He looks like he's going on tour with the Beach Boys, and Doc is dressed like an umpire or His some shit. Baggy pants are out of control. <laughs> he's got no belt on. Gray slacks. They oh, look horrible. Those pants. 
pants. They are distracting. It is true. He looks terrible. So anyway, Doc and his mullet say that WCCW was on fire during this period of time, and he explains how, you know, there were other promotions. There was your WWF, your Mid-Atlantic, and your AWA. Who was he? JR? Was he getting yeah. the map out? Yeah, going down you know, <laughs> Jim Crocker down here. And then they, they make happy talk and wax fondly about, like, world class and its young talent. With all this hype, is this an actual good episode? Like, they better be, because yeah. that's our mission this week. That's our OVG. mission, right? I mean, yep. that's what we're here to do. So, Kevin talks about how the girls loved all the Von Erichs so much they couldn't even go Christmas shopping. And then Hayes, unfortunately, brings up Skandor Akbar, says we're going to see some of him. I'm starting to have my doubts just by that comment alone. <laughs> right. And then Doc runs down more of the car, but I don't want to spoil it all here. Let's just get into it here. So, we get the WCCW, the world-class intro, you know, the bong, bong, yeah, bong the, music. The, like, very ominous, lots of high spots and fan shows. It sounds like a 6 o'clock news <laughs> program. Like, you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> and, of course, we're joined by Bill Mercer. Uh, next to him is David Von Erich, the charismatic Von Erich, for the record there. And welcome to World Class Championship Wrestling from the Sportatorium in downtown Dallas, Texas. I'm Bill Mercer, and with me right now is David Von Erich. David's like basically like I'm gonna watch my brother's back tonight and the Freebirds stink. That's pretty like, much that's like like that's all he's saying. Really. Yeah, he's like oh, I'm gonna be there. Everybody knows Freebirds stink. It's his teeth are here also. <laughs> he also says that he wants that Texas title back from the champion Jimmy Garvin and he'll put it on his mantle, which. Shouldn't you wear the belt if you have it? But I guess that's besides the point. He asked the fans to like write letters so he can have some title match or yeah, something. Yeah. And it's like, why are the fans like the <laughs> Yeah, what the like, fuck is this? What is that shit What is this, about? now? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we go to break and run down the card, Quinn, on the uh, graphics here. We're going to have... Jose Lothario versus Jimmy Garvin. God, how does he... You know, people say best of world class, and here, here's Jose Lothario. Like, why, why don't you just, like, shoot me or something? I, John. Awful. Yeah, John. John. Tola Yatsu. Who? Who? Who the hell is that? Versus King Kong Bundy. Okay, there we go. A name we know and a name yeah. we love. And we're going to have Kevin and Kerry Von Erich versus Michael Hayes and Terry Gordy from the Freebirds. Hot card, and I'm not just like saying that. Yeah. I also appreciate them telling us all this before the show. And even in the graphics, they put like main event, like yeah. undercard. Like they like, they're, they're, they're like, they're acting like this is like an actual, like it's an hour long right. wrestling card. Right, no like, fucking around here. Yeah, it's <laughs> good. We're telling you I'm, what I'm it is. I'm fine with that. Absolutely. Yeah. So we go to our ring announcer, and he, uh, that's Mark Lawrence, by the way, and he yeah. does tell us that this event is sanctioned by the National Wrestling Alliance, so that's nice to know. Yeah, he does all the, like, Jim Barbecue <laughs> yeah. duties, like, yeah. he's like, doctors in attendance yeah, all that and all shit, that right? shit. Yeah. <laughs> so first up, it's Jose Lothario in a very shitty vest. And all fat. <laughs> it's terrible. terrible. And he appears to either be signing an autograph or maybe writing a prescription, I'm not sure. He could be a sure. doctor with his, like, bifocals <laughs> or whatever he wears. His opponent is with Sunshine. It is the Texas heavyweight champion, gorgeous Jimmy Gar. They look like stars, and I really like these two. Here. Yeah, they're, they're great. They're, they're great. Our referee is Fred Sinclair, who has a red baseball shirt on. Is he playing in rec league or something? Like, what is that shirt? I don't shirt? know. What, what, it's horrible. They have baseball uniforms. Uh, Sunshine takes Jimmy's robe off to big booze. The bell's gone, and we lock up the start with the Super Sock shoving Garvin twice. Garvin stalls. <laughs> super Sock. Garvin uh, stalls, and the crowd gets on him, and Bill Mercer, who I love, by the way, is like, Garvin trying to keep his loyal, loving fans from hooting him. Garvin posturing, trying to keep his loyal, loving fans from hooting him. I mean, Who I hate, says that? I hate being hooted, Quinn. I don't know now, about you. You know, I will say one thing about this show. Yes. Um, Bill Mercer is kind of great. And He's it, awesome. And I'm still surprised nobody like voted him he just missed into it. the Royal Rankings at all. I think like, he missed it by like a vote. 
that's awesome. I know. That's kind of wild, He's actually. great. Yeah. I love him. Armringer into a wrist lock by Garvin, but the sock kicks him off and Garvin bails. Jose has the physique, by the way, of like a retired history teacher. <laughs> awful. He's just terrible looking. Back yeah. in, sock works the wrist lock as the WWE graphics pop up and they tell us some things about Lothario. Yeah, basically they're telling us that Jose is already old and not. It's like, <laughs> he wrestled in the 60s. Yeah, right. Like, nine, what the fuck? But why would you put that up there? He knew Eisenhower. No. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, nothing happened. He signed the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> like, yeah, he's in the picture if you look yeah. closely. More stalling by Garvin before he grabs a side headlock. Irish whip by Jose and we get a rather spry display by Jose. Leapfrogs, monkey flips, followed by a pair of arm drags. Garvin bells. Back in, Jose grabs a headlock. Look, I get the fans' excitement since the characters are good, but the wrestling blows. It, like, yeah, folks, honestly. It is horrible. It's slow and, and, and Jill, besides that kinda, one spot. To, to be honest, you calling the match, you made it sound really exciting, <laughs> but like to be honest with you, when I was watching this, all I could slow. see was headlocks. Oh, there's tons of them, Headlocks yeah. after headlock after headlock. Headlock on hunger. Yeah. Uh, Garvin breaks and then cowers in the corner. Now Garvin goes back to the headlock. There you go, into a takeover. Yep. Garvin is funny here. He yells, Que pasa? at Jose a few times for fun. Yeah, he actually like, goes there. <laughs> yeah. He like, mocks him. Que pasa? And Merch is like, I'd say he's muy bien. Uh, still in the headlock, no bueno. Jose grabs a leg and knee breakers his way out of it, sending Garvin to the outside. And Garvin says to Sunshine, he's like, how's my hair? How's my hair? I must say, he's a great heel. He really like, is. He, it's a shame that he never made it to WF, like on the I big know, stage. I know. Because in the 80s, like, it, by 85, like, you had to be there. Like, that's, yeah, like, where you had to be. I know, because obviously we know what happened in JCP. It fizzled yeah. out a little bit, but man, Jimmy Garvin was good. He was really good. He, he was, really was. And he's only 83. It's, like, two years away. Like, he could have clearly, like... I know. You know what I mean? He like, would have been great. He would have he worked perfectly. Better than Mike Sharp, even. I mean, <laughs> I wonder... Actually, it makes me wonder, to be honest with you watching this... Yeah. ...is you have the sunshine and gore- gorgeous Jimmy Garvin thing, and then... But, like, I wonder how that would have interacted with Macho Man and Miss Elizabeth. Oh, like, to that. me, that, that would have been cool, like, if they fought each other. That would have been cool if, like, they were heels and when Savage and Liz were faces. Yeah. Would have been cool. Yeah. Uh, Sunshine gets on her knees and massages Garvin's leg. Jimmy yells at the crowd while limping his way back into the ring. Lock up back to the headlock by the sock. Big left sends Garvin into the ropes and back outside. And back in, and we have another headlock here. Good lord, with all the headlocks. It's horrible. You weren't kidding, Quinn. Shoulder box sends Garvin down, but he catches Jose with a knee lift off the ropes and stomps away. Garvin grabs a reverse chin lock now as the crowd (laughs) chants, Go Jose. I I never wanted to hear that chant in my life. He rants at the ref as we actually have 10 minutes remaining in this 20 minute time limit match here why is jimmy garvin having problems with this fat old man like what what is the issue here just beat him right like come on like enough already he wears shitty blue pants he's garbage he's balding he sucks Get him out of here. Jose finally escapes and nails a backbreaker off the ropes, which Garvin sells as if it's the end of his life. Awesome selling. Lothario goes to work with a knee drop to the head as Garvin backs himself into a corner. Jose socks away with big lefts, but Garvin grabs a double leg takedown, which which Jose flips out of. He does the same thing again. On the third try, Garvin just grabs the ropes and gets a cheap win here. Yeah, it was like three Boston crab, crab yeah, like Boston crab attempts. Like, and then he just grabs the ropes yeah, and just fucking like, yeah. pins him. <laughs> After the match, Garvin decides to punch Jose, so the sock nails him back, and Garvin leaves all shitty. Uh, this was slow. Not, I don't know if it's horrible or not. It wasn't good, though. Yeah, like, nice ending, but middling match. Yeah, really. I also like how after the match, Jose, Jose is like, 
bitching. So Garvin just kicked him in the <laughs> gut. Like, it was fantastic. Yeah, it was good. He's just like, he shouldn't have done that. Garvin just kicks him <laughs> yeah, and leaves. It's like, good. It's like, fuck that guy. Like, Bill Mercer warns us here that we're going to come back with Devastation Inc. in their conference room in a moment. I like how they're an actual business. Yeah, they're, they're, in a, they're a corporation. This whole segment, <laughs> it's though, a is, scene. is insane. Yeah, it's good. Like, it's ludicrous, it's and so I will fun. talk about it. Yeah. So we come back, and Mercer introduces this clip now, pre-taped yeah. clip of Skandor Akbar <laughs> at the headquarters. <laughs> Of his empire, uh, so we <laughs> we go to this clip where Mercer walks into what appears to be, I guess, a hotel conference room or something. There's like a shitty TV on a credenza in the background, and some dweeb in Arabian gear on like the other side, just like the assistant. Yeah, this is so, so stupid. Good. I know, like it is so dumb. Like, the, wait till Joe tells you what they talk about here. Like it's insane. I should also mention that like, King Kong Bundy is seated at this table as well. No shirt, no, of course. I, it's their company. It's so professional. <laughs> Yeah. Right, it's like no, no, tie, nobody's wearing a tie, nothing. Other than Bill Mercer, Burn, he doesn't even work there. True pro, like, uh, uh, yeah, I know he's just a guest. Yeah. So Bundy tells Akbar that he wants to buy an eighty thousand dollar Rolls Royce. Like, Ak- but they're just having like, yeah. like this is supposed to be the like pre conversation, yeah. like before Bill like yeah. gets in there. It's no big deal, boss. But I found a Rolls I really like, and it's eighty grand. Just eighty grand, no problem. See, Mister Kumar. So then Mercer brings up OPEC. Yeah. What the. <laughs> Guys, OPEC. OPEC. OPEC! What what the fuck is this? And then Akbar's talking about how oil has dropped to $5 a barrel. Now we actually see a news, like they, they like close up on a newspaper that says OPEC's dropping prices. And seriously, what the hell do oil prices have to do with wrestling? Yeah, what, are we watching C-SPAN 2? What, what is this? Like this gets like very serious like they're talking about like real world things right like, like for example akbar is like yeah energy makes the world go round and we see shots of refineries and oil and they fields they actually took the time this is absurd it's so great. like it's insane skandar says that he can't have any defeats <laughs> in his stable or else his opec negotiations are going to have issues let me get this straight if anyone in Skandar Akbar's fake fighting stable loses, he won't be taken seriously in his OPEC negotiations. People believe this shit? Like, are you serious? Like, what? what is this, Dynasty? Like, or like Dallas, Dallas or something? Like, somebody's going to care if, like, J.R. Ewing had a, had a fucking affair? So, like, the with price... With King Kong of, Bundy? With King Kong, so his oil prices are going to go... Down, upper, I don't know. Like, what the fuck is this? What does this have to do with anything? Here's the best part. In the same like breath, he mentions the upcoming ninja stick yes, match. That's the actual name <laughs> of the match. Ninja stick match. Oh, you gotta love wrestling. It's so like it's so naive that it's, it's actually great. like wonderful. It's it's like, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. If you really think like about the it. fact that they the fact that they think they can really convince people that like Yes, the world revolves around these, these wrestling <laughs> right. matches in this local promotion that, you know, it's not really outside this area. No, not like, really. But, like, if fucking Skandar Akbar's guys lose, like, right. your oil prices might go up. You gotta like, win that ninja stick yeah. match. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Akbar calls Bundy the new eighth wonder of the world. Andre would not appreciate that. He also says Kamala will win, too. I'm like, what a shitty stable. <laughs> like, horrible. He then says he's negotiating, Akbar is, with the World's champion, Ric Flair. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that <laughs> happened. Maybe it did. I don't know. Back to ringside where Mercer is now with Aman Hussein, or Arman Hussein, who? and Tola Yatsu, who uh, 
they're just like standing around talking. Yeah, they basically say Skandor's crew stinks. Like that. Okay. Like- well, I'm here to say this. I have said to the world out there time and time again that Tola Yatsu is the greatest wrestler ever coming to these United States. Okay, so this is a, this is like the point of the show where I'm like, who the fuck is the face? Like, yeah, true. Like it's true. like they're because this next match it's King Kong Bundy versus this Toliatu. idiot over here, and this gets more confusing. So we get those yeah. the introductions here. Referee is David Manning, that staple of world class refereeing. Yeah. Yatsu Quinn has hair like Mac Rivera, yeah, and he's dressed like Mister Saito from WF. <laughs> kind of like, is he right. Looks like, garbage he's got the japanese saito pants yeah. and the, in the in the boots too yep um manning is dressed in like a race car driver warm-up suit apparently i don't know what he's wearing it's even worse than oh, the, the ref, ref. Yeah, yeah it's even worse than the baseball it, shirt well, it's like the baseball shirt but with the matching pants <laughs> it's like terrible. it's like it's like the other ref was like no i'm just gonna wear khakis or whatever <laughs> but this guy's like no i got pants I that got- match that shirt buddy <laughs> yatsu poses to start for a really long time he's acting like yokozuna <laughs> and zero people care <laughs> he's just like posing you don't even see bundy the whole time no. and there's no reaction and bundy doesn't give a fuck no. like, like, just because of all the posing i just want bundy to kick his ass and get it over with does. he kind of like, does like we get some air kicking by yatsu to start before bundy just says fuck it he's had enough and he grabs him into an arm bar and takes him down into a hammerlock like, like fatting into him basically for like minutes here yeah. like it's fantastic yeah too, after all that stupid shit <laughs> right so bundy switches back to an arm bar lays on that for a while mercer hypes the upcoming kevin Von Eric versus Ric Flair world title match as we are still in the armbar. This is still world class, folks. Yes, it is. Don't forget. So here's the thing, Quinn. So far, this is not a good show. I'm not going to lie. But I will say it's like with that all that like oil shit and like it's like it's memorable and like bundy kind of like this match here like i think bundy kind of like dominating is kind of hilarious for a guy that just like proudly like posed for five <laughs> yeah, minutes yeah, that's true like it's, it is kind of funny he like barely does anything right it's true they get up irish whipping but yatsu with a sidekick to send the walking condominium to the mat yatsu gets a two count off of like a knee lean like he leaned on him with yeah. his knee big chops by yatsu in the corner irish whip at another chop lots of high karate going on lots over here of it. lots of high karate Wow, what's that aftershave you're wearing? You high karate aftershave is so powerful, it drives women right out of their minds. Bundy fights back with a boot and a substandard back body drop off the ropes. Corner whip and Bundy nails the avalanche, which would be a finish yeah, in WF. Right, yeah. Right, but not it's- here. Hussein tries to interfere by pulling Bundy's leg. Who's the heel here? Who's the face here? I don't, who is anybody here? This right. is so confusing. <laughs> I don't like, get they're it. They're fighting, but both are heels, but they aren't. And like, the crowd's, the crowd's like, like kind of on Bundy's yeah, side. Kind of, right? Just because I think they're on Bundy's side is because he doesn't have a manager present, even though he has a manager. Maybe or because he's American. And it is yeah, Texas. That's true. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, you know what I'm saying there. Yatsu grabs his kendo stick, or excuse me, ninja stick, and whacks Bundy with it several times for the DQ. And the crowd, like you said, kind of cheers because Bundy won. Eh. So, so seriously, I just don't even know. Yeah, is, like, but is, is Akbar like, is the, him like the OPEC price is going down? Is that supposed to make him a face? <laughs> like, it's like, it's like, well, I got your your gas prices down. So, like, it's, you, yeah, should, so cheer you me, should cheer me, motherfucker. Like, it, uh, it is true that in wrestling, it's running like parallel to real life so they can pull shit off like this true. where they like say like yeah oil prices that matters it's true you know it's just it's just always a funny thing to me <laughs> they're really pulling hard on that card yeah. here right yeah i mean they're going <laughs> All the way with right. it in this episode. <laughs> David Manning gets everyone the hell out of there. Well, that kind of stunk, but whatever. Well, yeah. Back to Bill Mercer, who brings up Kamala, because it's 1983, and you have to mention Kamala, yeah. any show that you ever watch in 1983. Right. 
Uh, so he says there's been a lot of requests lately to replay this video feature on Kamala. So here we go. And we see the Ugandan giant standing around in some grass as the voiceover guy says how great he is. You mean, Joe, the jungles of Texas? Yeah, definitely. The jungles of Texas. <laughs> I mean, that's some, like literally uh, what, what they're so, going for here. It's just some like unmowed backyard somewhere. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's like probably like uh, the Von Eric's like, backyard. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, <laughs> His face paint Quinn is also very different from the pattern that we later know. Yeah, he actually looks cooler. He does. Like I swear, like why did he not keep this? He looks a lot cooler. You see more he's got of that, his that, face. Yeah, he's got that like nose piercing, but like with a big hoop, yeah. so it like makes him look. He looks awesome. I don't know what they like. Why did they ruin him? They give him like the clown makeup. You know, yeah, like, he, he looks, looks stupid. Right, he looks cooler here. And apparently, the voiceover guy says that he's as strong as a lot of animals, and he's six foot nine. Yeah, none of that's true. It's literally this whole package is just the announcer saying Kamala like twelve times while he walks around in the grass for it's a, a minute. Thrilling package. Yeah, we have a great package. Kamala. 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 Back to ringside, where Kevin and Carrie Von Eric enter the ring with David accompanying. Big cheers for them. The fans are like storming the ring. Like world class, don't they control any of this <laughs> shit? Like literally, like there's kids like climbing up the apron, right. like yeah, yeah, sign. Zoo, right? And, like, <laughs> I mean, hell, they're even going for the Freebirds. They're like, sign this. Like everyone is like, sign my shit. Yeah, like, well, why not? Random. Man. It's just, it's just weird that they don't. They're having the guardrails. Like, they're, like what happened? Not at the Sportatorium, my friend. Yeah. Uh, in the ring are their opponents, Michael P.S. Hayes and Terry Gordy, with Buddy Roberts, of course, of the mm-hmm. Freebirds. And Quinn, this is a Texas tornado match. <laughs> not uh, that kind of yeah. tornado. That's what a name. Yeah, Yeah. what a name. Mark Lawrence voice cracks when he introduces uh, David Von Erich. He's like, David Von Erich will be on the outside of the ring. Which was kind of funny. Now, I want to note that in the opening, um, because we we forgot to note this, is that um, Kevin said, like, watch for injuries in this. And, like, this is a Texas tornado match. So does this have anything to do with the foot or whatever? (sighs) So apparently the Freebirds are the world-class championship wrestling six-man tag team champions. So that's... Good thing they're doing a two-on-two match, you know, when they're the six-man tags. Yeah, what what is that about? <laughs> I, don't I don't know. This better be good, though. Mercer says it'll be a dandy, so we'll have mm-hmm. to see. Uh, bell rings. Von Erich slug away with Kevin and Hayes. Kevin with Hayes and Kerry with Terry. Von Erich toss Hayes outside and team up on Gordy, but Hayes attacks Kerry from behind while David grabs a devastating chin lock on Terry Gordy. Both <laughs> referees are in the ring for this one. This so is, yeah, I love this. Somewhere, yeah. Gorilla Monsoon is happy. I can yeah. tell you that much. It's uh, absolutely chaotic, the it whole is. match. Yeah, Hayes tosses Kevin while Gordy throws Kerry on to Hayes' knee. Cool spots yeah, going was, on here. Yeah, this is just absolutely fun so far. And, yep. like, you totally, like, understand, like, why people are into it. Absolutely. Like, it's just crazy. 100%. Carrie gets tossed outside now. They do the same move to Kevin. Just, like, a big, wild brawl. It's too chaotic to, like, even call. You can definitely see why this is better than everything. Yeah, than, like, really. This is actually entertaining. Yep. There's, like, there's just, there's just punching and kicking and people getting thrown out. Right. Some people helping. Like, yeah. the crowd's going nuts. Two red trying to like break shit up right it's wild you were saying it's like a real fight yeah it looks like it's a real fight and like that they can't contain it like, right you know and i'll say the camera work here is cool because it just basically stays a hard shot of the ring so you can see what's going on with all four guys you right. don't see anyone laying around 
yeah, for their next the cool, spot. The cool thing is you have to keep moving your eyes from different parts yeah. of the screen, too. You're like, well, but it's not hard. I want to pay attention to what's happening to David and them over right. there, but I want to see what's going on with Carrie in that corner, but right. then what's going on with David in the other part, and like you're like, what the fuck? It's like, well done. Yeah. Honestly. So the Von Erichs regain control, and David gets a two on Gordy, while Carrie pounds away on Doc Hendricks here. Kevin grabs the claw on Gordy, and Carrie does his own claw on Michael Hayes. So much chaos, fans screaming. It's all good. Like, yeah. I'm actually captivated, and it feels very unpredictable. Like, I can't tell you in the middle of this match. Like, I have no idea who's going to win. Yeah, exactly. Like that, Same that's, here. That's the best part. Is I love that. It's so chaotic yep. that it could go either way. Truly, yeah. And you wouldn't be mad either way. <laughs> right, either. Like, exactly. you're not like, oh, the heels won. This sucks. Right. Like, it's like, well, it's crazy. Right. Like, who, anybody could win. Exactly. Yeah. Gordy escapes a claw hold and tosses Kevin Von Erich out of the ring as the Freebirds get Carrie in a tree of woe, but Kevin breaks it up and tosses Gordy outside. Now, Hayes gets caught in the ropes, so Buddy Roberts charges in with David Von Erich. They both come in at the same time, and we have a bell for a double DQ. I will say, it seems like they didn't know how to end this. Yeah. They just, like, kind of invented eh. something. Like, just they were like, well, okay. It's have like, them all run in. It, it looks like we're running out of time for the TV right. taping, so let's just do that. And also, it builds to a good three-on-three match, I'm assuming, right? right? That's show probably somewhere probably yep uh freebirds casually just leave as we go to break we come back with bill mercer who has with him at the table king kong bundy and standing behind them the great kabuki like in the ominous like mask yeah, or, like, yeah. whatever that the is iron mask or whatever like, it is the, the freaking like placemat he wears over his head <laughs> like you know what i mean Bundy's kind of pissed, Quinn, that he only won the match by DQ, which is funny. Uh, and he also says he doesn't know anything about kendo sticks, but the great Kabuki does, and he's going to kick you out to you know, stupid ass again, with are it. They, they faces? I don't, I don't know. I don't get it. I think no one is, right? Yeah, I think I, Akbar's definitely not a face, right? I mean, he's talking about manipulating OPEC. Well, but in Texas. Ta- but here's the thing is he's talking about manipulating it so the prices go down, so maybe that makes him a face. Folks, let us know. I I'm just saying this yeah. is very complicated. Here. Let us know what the oil futures were like and yeah. all that shit. 1983, yeah. let us know about Devastation pa- Inc. Apparently they were good. Did you work for them maybe? Yeah. Are they on Indeed or something was, like was that? Was Devastation and- Inc. a big player in the oil industry? Maybe they were. That's the thing. Like, if anyone was <laughs> By the like- way, what a dumb fucking name for a company in general. That's true. Like, who would take that seriously? If any of you listening were an admin assistant, maybe a file clerk, perhaps like did bookkeeping for Devastation Inc., let us know. We would love to hear so your story. We, I will say this. If we ever start, like, if we get make it big, right, and we have to, we like, won't. start, like, a parent company to, like, ha- have our holdings or whatever, yeah. we're calling it Devastation Inc. Fine with me. That, well, as long as they're out of business. Yeah. I don't want to get sued for copyright infringement, Quinn. What are they going to care about a holding company? Well, it's true. It's just Everything's holding. called OVP. They're just, Devastation Inc.'s just holding it. It's you know? <laughs> just holding it. They're, they're not doing anything. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Bundy also threatens that Akbar is going to get Kamala. He's going to the jungle in Texas to get him, and wrestling is never going to be the same. As Mercer signs off quickly and we roll some credits, I want to mention the the grips get their own credit, but there's no best boy. Oh, that's absurd. I didn't really read them. I like the inverted colors, though, on the, for, on yeah. the credits. It looked cool nice, with nice. the, like, you know, the six o'clock news music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bum, bum, bum. Yeah. We go back to Doc and Kevin in the WWE studio now, and they act like this was the best thing ever. Of course they do. And they talk about how they used to get hurt all the time in these tornado tags. Okay, first of all, Doc's pants are continuing to upset <laughs> me. Second of all, why did they get hurt all the time? Aren't you not supposed to get hurt? Like, what is this? <laughs> yeah, are they kayfabing do or they, not? I can't they tell. they know it's not real? Like, what are they talking about? I can't tell if they're kayfabing or not, but they don't seem to be on these things, on these no, wraparounds, they, they right? They seem very, like... Out of character? But maybe they're in 
character. I like, think so. Because they also are like acting like, oh, we're friends now. Remember back then? Yeah, like, well, we used to like, kill each other. It's like the reminiscing, but yeah. like, at the same time, it's real. Right. Like, <laughs> Hayes, of course, is proud that he can say they always went all out against each other. Well, Quinn, it wouldn't be a Michael Hayes appearance without him putting the Freebirds over. Please just stop bragging, Doc. Like, I, know, I don't right? want it enough. I saw it. It was good. <laughs> yeah. I don't you don't need you to tell me again. Oh, it was so good. We always yeah. went all out. Yeah. yeah, exactly. King Mabel. Anyway, they sign off and that's that. This was a fun show and yeah. you can understand why people loved it back then. Just lots of shit happening, yeah. very chaotic. Kind of like the ECW of its day in a, a weird bit. way, like or the Continental or whatever. A little bit. I mean, definitely a different vibe, a different feel than the WF stuff from around this well, time. Yeah, it's not like Mac Rivera gets squished, yeah. you know, whatever. I will say the opener was a little lengthy with uh, John over there, yeah. but other yeah. than that, I mean, good characters, Quinn. Honestly. Yeah, Jimmy Garvin. Awesome. He, you could tell like they knew what they had with him. Totally. Like, his stalling in that match, I didn't say this, but his stalling was actually, like, funny. Like, oh, the yeah. way he would do it. He like, was hilarious. He would, he would, you know, roll out and get his hair fluffed yeah, and, and the whole Sunshine thing. was, like, attending to his every need yeah. and all that stuff. It was yeah. very good. It was pretty awesome. I would say we found a good show. This isn't, like, you know, it's not one of the best Cindy's I've ever watched it, or it anything, seemed, but it's okay. So the more I've seen, and now that I've seen some good stuff, it comes off to me like it's one of those promotions that you kind of really have to invest in. Like, like Mid-South? Like, yeah, it's like you have to watch a lot of episodes, and like then like these things mean something. It's right. kind of like with our 82s. Like, yeah. On the surface, you probably can never tell that that show's good. Like, <laughs> yeah, if well, you watch just generally one isn't. random episode of 82, <laughs> right. you wouldn't know. Even if you watched a really good episode of that. But when we're watching it, we watch the whole year. It's awesome. Good point, Quinn. So yeah. I'm wondering if it's the same with WCCW, if that's really so. the way you have to approach it. I think it was one of the things they were known for was kind of pioneering along with Bill Watts that episodic style where you had yeah. to watch every week and follow the arcs through and things like right. that. And uh, folks, we definitely appreciate you being with us here and following us along for another episode of Our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you so much. I just want to mention, next week is the day after WrestleMania where Quinn and I would normally be doing our WrestleMania live review as we watch it. That will not be happening next week. Since we're going to be there. We're going to be there. So stay tuned. It'll be something a little different next week. I'm not allowed to reveal anything yet. Uh, but Lord Alfred wouldn't allow yeah. it. So. But there will be something next week. Don't you worry. And of course, two weeks from now, we'll be back with our next episode, 125. But until that time, I am Joe Murata. That is Michael Quinn. Check us out on the Twitter. Check us out on Facebook. If you want to donate on Patreon and leave a review on iTunes. But we will see you next week. See ya. The OPEC card, etc. Yes, that's right. Uh, of course, they made the uh, big adjustment in the price yesterday. Uh, OPEC is very, very important to everybody. For the moment, I would like to comment about the latest news. We have dropped the oil $5 a barrel. Right. And no country can undercut us. That was part of the accord. Of course. Of course. But remember, this will be a substantial increase at the consumer's prompts. <laughs> how, how can it be a consumer rise when you cut the price? Uh, this will come later. This, this, you don't uh, see this in the news, Mr. Mercer. Mr. Kumar, if you'll hit the switch, please. Now, of course, energy, as you know, makes the world that you live in, that everybody lives in, it goes around. Petroleum, why the very substance that this plastic, this uh, v, the VTR machine is made of, comes from petroleum. And we're looking right now at the Arabian oil fields. Exactly. Correct? Exactly. The tremendous production at my homeland. Right now, I would like to say that I am a man of prestige. The wrestlers in my wrestling stable are seen throughout the world. 
particularly in my homeland. I cannot stand by having any defeats in my wrestling stable. Otherwise, my negotiations with OPEC would not be taken seriously. Will you stop? stop, stop.